All right, we're rolling. Hey, Matt, right. thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's an honor to be here. Good hey, to my pleasure. Honor to talk to you. I, I really, first of all, I really enjoyed you on Kufaro Cast. So, oh, yeah. uh, shout out to my friend Aaron Snyder he and says, Frank hey. Tank. <laughs> Say hey right back to him. <laughs> uh, I listened to you on that show and I was like, God damn, what an interesting guy. What a fucking crazy life you've had. <laughs> um, we should, so you were on that show alone, right, right? Right. And explain that show for people who don't know what the fuck it is. Yeah, so it's a, it's a show where they get, uh, 10 people you each of those people get to pick out 10 basic items you know like an axe and a bow and a saw and a, you know 10 items just 10 items right does that include arrows like you can only yeah, have your, one no your bow comes with nine arrows so you get oh, a bow okay. and arrows yeah, i guess is an item so that's okay. a loosely 10 items and then you uh they basically take 10 people fly them out into uh the middle of nowhere and drop them each off by themselves you got all the video camera equipment, and it's just self-filming, and it's basically the last one to give up wins. So wow! And how do they, how do you know if anyone's given up before you? You do don't. You just they're out there. You could be out, like previously the show's been up. It's up to a year, you know. So there's a like, year. Yeah, <laughs> hypothetically it could Holy go a year. Holy shit! So, so you just uh, go out there and do your best. And yeah. what if you are still out there, but everybody else has quit, and you don't know? That's when they come and tell you that you oh, won. Yeah, okay. yeah. So. so when you won, they did that to you. They told right, you. Right, right. And, and how I, long did it take you? Seventy-seven days. Seventy-seven days. I wow. Was completely surprised. Though. I thought it would go maybe twice that long. You were ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> you, let's give people your background. Like th it's kind of unfair yeah. in a way. And Aaron brought this up on the podcast right. that you were on this show with a bunch of people like me, like regular folks that have never really lived like that before, but you've done some crazy adventure shit in Siberia. and Yeah, so, man, I guess, uh, how far do we want to go back? Let's I, go back, all right, back. go back. We have plenty of time. How did, when did so, you get started with, the, have you always been an outdoors guy? Yeah, or? we grew up on a farm in Idaho, and that kind of just puts you in the outdoors. I'd say I kind of had... You know, but then I was doing the normal thing, working concrete job, working at a salad dressing factory, blah, blah. And then uh, my brother took me out riding freight trains, and we rode across the country. I just like... Like hop, a hobo? Like a hobo, yeah. Did you have a stick <laughs> with like a bundle well, at the we end of it? we were advanced progressive hobos with backpacks. <laughs> progressive hobos. <laughs> no, so you just hopped the freight train. Jumped on a freight train, went across the country, wow. up and back. And then I... Uh, it was also the first time I had been you know, alone for a while. At one point I split up with them and rode for a week by myself. So it was like kind of a- What year was this? This was when I was 19. I'm 37 now, so something like that. I'm bad at math. Yeah. So cell phone or no cell phone back no then? No cell phone, yeah. No cell phone. No cell phone. Oh my God, so, like yeah. a crazy person. No, it was like awesome. It was, it, it was a real taste of freedom. And I think that was kind of like a coming of age experience for me because I just realized, oh man, I don't really want to, you know, I wasn't going to be in this typical life after- having experienced that like every night you know it's like total freedom you're up yeah you never know where you're gonna sleep you never know who you're gonna meet you're always out there in the elements it's pretty uh now when you did stuff like that did you plan on doing it for a long period of time um i mean i guess we just planned to go across the country and so check it out and ben my brother through... had been doing it for like seven years so oh really? yeah so he was like oh the my pro. god Pro hobo. A pro hobo. <laughs> so, uh, so talk me through the process. So he brings it up, or you guys discuss yeah, it. Yeah, he was just like, you know, he'd been doing it for a while. How much old is your brother? Five years older. Okay. So he invited me to come with him, and I so I, I quit my job and 
Wow. Just one day up in Spokane there, you sneak into the train yard and hop on a, hop on wow. a car and take off. And uh, Now, did you bring money? Did you bring food? Yeah, you get cans of food in your backpack. And usually we would stop and work. You know, a lot of times he had had some connections throughout the country where we could, oh, we could just stop there and work for a guy, make a few bucks, and then uh, continue on. But you don't really need much in those situations. You know, you'd uh, do some dumpster diving. <laughs> yeah, did you? <laughs> well, some of you'd be surprised at how good the food is in some of those places they throw out. But yeah, no, it was. I mean, the first night was kind of a christening. I remember it was like April. April still up in Montana plains and so the crew. chilly. Yeah, and it and it poured out, poured rain, and I was in the open car, and I, I don't know how it happened, but I just slept through a downpour my uh, (laughs) my brother came climbing up uh i was sitting there probably in three inches of water almost drowned myself (laughs) it was the middle of the night he woke me up and i uh was like oh man what happened i remember that was the about the longest morning of my life just waiting for that sun to go up it's like going 55 miles an hour in the wind (laughs) soaking wet oh my god but you know every night was some kind of an adventure like that and it was pretty cool and were all the cars open or did you just sneak into a particular ones that oh yeah they're on those like trains that go across the whole you know intermodals they're called they're always open kind of so you're just exposed to the weather but uh did you have rain gear or anything you know, I, I had his poncho, but I ruined it, and I got sucked into the train. And oh, no. So, anyway. <laughs> wow. No, so, anyway, it was uh, – we ended up stopping in Virginia and doing some uh, temporary work down there, and that's kind of how I ended up in Virginia. And, uh, yeah, anyway, go ahead. You just got wanderlust, huh? Yeah, I guess so. I mean – yeah, I guess so. It was just a cool experience. And once you get that taste of kind of freedom, it's like a little bit hard to go back to a nine to five, I guess. And I could so, only imagine. Mm-hmm. I could only imagine mm-hmm. that feeling when you're 19 years old. And yeah. You, you, you know, and to go back to a cubicle. Right, right. Something no, no like chance. that. No chance. Yeah. <laughs> no. It'd be torture. So we did some construction jobs in Virginia and then... Uh, and then, uh, you know, I was a young guy trying to figure out how to live a meaningful life or whatever. You know, what am I going to do with my life? And uh, Did you have thoughts? Did you have, like, an aspiration? Yeah. I mean, I guess to provide some context, I was, I'm like, follow a Christian path. So I was, uh, uh, I, that me always feels like I got to put some uh, caveats to that. Like, it's like. I understand for a lot of people that means shame. I know you had like some mean nuns beat you. (laughs) Yeah, you heard that. Yeah, Yeah. one one mean nun in particular straightened me right out. I was like, all right. No, so I know it means a lot of things to a lot of people, but for me, it was always like, it was interesting because it was summed up in like, in the Bible, like, uh, you know, love the Lord God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself and. God is defined as love. And so that was kind of always the core focus for my, you know, how I tried to decide what I was going to do in life. And at the time, I heard of a guy that was over in Russia building orphanages and needed help. And so felt really strongly that, hey, that was the right thing to do. How did you and hear I, of this? Uh, so I have a brother that's adopted. And when he grew up he wanted to find his biological mom and just tell her thanks for the <laughs> chance at life or whatever and when he did turns out she had another son who was gonna go over there and I met him and he told me about oh wow this guy so uh so I I basically felt 
it was the right thing to do and bought a ticket for a year, you know, just a full year, go over to Russia and and I headed over there and that was kind of how the next chapter, I guess, started in life. Uh, and how old were you then? Probably 21 or something. Yeah, 21. Mm-hmm. So 21, don't know mm-hmm. anybody over there, don't know how to speak Russian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was... Uh, that was interesting. I uh, <laughs> did you try to learn? Oh, absolutely. Russian? So this guy that I was that was building the orphanage is an American guy, but I went over there and I didn't want to live with an American because I wanted to learn Russian. So he sent me to a neighboring village with uh, these two families. Both of them were like ex-cons, and you know, <laughs> had been spent Whoa. a lot of time in Siberian prisons. Oh, but they man. had changed. You know, they were like super cool dudes. One guy was just covered in prison tattoos. One of the funniest guys yeah, I know. But he. Uh, did they drink a lot? You know they didn't. Those guys didn't because they had changed their ways. You know, uh. found God in prison, so they uh, they took me in like one of their own, and uh, oh, wow. and I spent the better part of that year with those guys learning the language. And how much did you know before you got there? How much? Russian? Nothing, just the nothing. alphabet. Yeah, so it was. Can you? Read it was it? brutal. Yeah, I mean, I could make the sounds because I knew the alphabet, but I didn't know what anything meant. So, oh, so wow. it was. Yeah, that was an interesting experience. Like just. Very isolating, to be honest, but also it was, uh, I mean, it was pretty cool, you know, in Did you hindsight. learn to write it? Yeah. Mm-hmm, so you mm-hmm. could write things to people in that, what is that called, yeah. Cyrillic? Is that what it's yeah, called? Right, yeah, right, right, right. So mm-hmm. you could write things in Cyrillic yeah, and yeah, you yeah. could read it as well? Yeah, as I learned, of course I could pronounce out the words because I could read it. I didn't know what anything meant. Over time, I started to learn the... Uh, of course, the guy I lived with us was just taught me all the prison slang and stuff. <laughs> so, so it this was always prison bitch. Yeah, <laughs> great <laughs> Russian. Thank that you. Just... <laughs> so, wow. So um, that's a crazy thing to do to just go move there with no Russian at all. Did yeah. you buy a book on English to Russian? Yeah, or... but I found the best way. If you ever go to a different country and don't know anything, just have a notepad with you, and throughout you'll start to like get familiar with words mm-hmm. as you live in there and then at the end of the day I'd you know I'd write those words down as I recognize them at the end of the day I would look up the definition and just five to ten words a day just slowly learn and and by the end of the year I was pretty you know starting to get to where I could be comfortable <laughs> so took a long a real time conversation with people after a year yeah yeah it was brutal wow. kind of it was a long time to wait but well Russian seems like it would be harder than Spanish or oh, French yeah. because you have to learn those that crazy alphabet it's so different well it's the alphabet and the grammar so different i i uh how, I, many I, times i don't know anything about it how is the grammar different? so you don't speak like if you want to say like i love you you don't it, there's no there's no form in the sentence like it, you could say you love i or love i you or, you know you could throw the words in any direct in any order but the word actually changes based on its role in the sentence so when you're learning the language you just get all these words dumped on you and you have to like try to sort through uh you know how it's formed so how would you say i love you in russian no you could say ya tibia lublu or lublu ya tibia or tibia ya lublu you know there's like a is there a reason why you'd say it in different ways Does i think it... you could emphasize you know make different it's it is a flexible language in that yeah you could switch it up to emphasize certain aspects is it more ambiguous like would people be like are you sure <laughs> Say it a different way. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I think it, it works pretty good. How much do you love? Yeah. 
is there, is there... You know, that's not a phrase I got a lot of practice with when I was over there. <laughs> Should have chose a different one. <laughs> no. But it's uh, fascinating that, I mean, it's fascinating that people speak in a completely different it's way. It's just a whole different way. It made me kind of understand, oh, maybe that's why you get those like Russian authors that were so great because they were supposed to, you know, they were able mm-hmm. to form ideas in a slightly more... Uh, flexible way maybe it's yeah, kind of interesting right, yeah. it was interesting it was interesting to learn a language that i was like huh it's actually probably a better language in english in a lot of really? ways yeah it was like it's a lot of things you can it's more fun to speak in russian because you can like switch up words and make weird but it's, uh, it's always but, been fascinating to me how mm-hmm. people sound so different in different places like mm-hmm. they have a different way like uh brazil i love brazil right. and one of the things i love brazil but the, the way they speak portuguese yeah, yeah. they have a way <laughs> it's like a song they're like yeah, yeah. there's like a, a, a rhythmic quality right, to right, the way right. they talk that yeah. we don't have yeah no that's fascinating know? yeah yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting that you know there's different, and then you go to Thailand, they've got their own way, all right. everything tones ah, and all that, yeah. everything stretches out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's really uh, it's people are so strange in how they. So I don't, you know, I I, want, I always wondered like mm-hmm. how does an accent like especially when you think about our country, right? Like how does a New Jersey accent get formed right. versus a Virginia I, accent? Like living in Virginia, sometimes I'm so fascinated by how with all like TV and and being surrounded by the standard way English is spoke, I'm just amazed at how some of the people hey, what I'm talking about, hey? and you're just like, <laughs> it's like what. <laughs> How do you still have that? <laughs> but what, it's awesome. What man. is a Virginia accent like? Oh, I liked uh, my buddy described it best. You know, like uh, if you replace the R's with the L's, so like I got put L on these tiles. You know, put an L instead of an R at the end of the word. That's air on tires. Yeah, yeah. Wow, <laughs> stuff like that. And you gotta go what? You're like, huh? Yeah. But then, uh, no, it's pretty good. I don't know. Oh, and then there's people like Cajun country. Yeah, and Cajun country, yeah, they got all down there. Oh, they they got a whole different vibe yeah. going on. They got yeah. some French shit yeah. going on there. <laughs> like woo, but it's crazy how like I grew up in Boston, right? And uh, I, I I did this thing. I was on the news when I was nineteen, and yeah. uh, I heard myself on TV, and I heard my fucking terrible Boston accent. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh my god, I got to get rid of that accent. <laughs> and I had only been living in Boston for about six years, mm-hmm. but I just we we traveled all over the country and i just i guess when i was 13 i was very impressionable right, right. And i had adopted this and so uh, i was listening to me and I, w- I was talking about working really hard <laughs> we've been working really hard at this i was like oh my god i sound like a moron <laughs> and so <laughs> no offense boston right <laughs> just Sorry. Are some maybe my, yeah I no, mean, it's where I grew up, but I, uh, I, I abandoned it. And I, there was a little bit of it still when I when I lived in California when I first moved here. No, you catch time. it, man. You catch the accents. I hang drink. out with my wife's Filipino family. All of a sudden, I'll be speaking like, watch out for the radar. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's it's just crazy how I always wondered like what started it like what started the New York accent why is it so yeah. different from an accent from Florida yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and you know Florida's all over the fucking place they don't know where they are yeah yeah they're, I've heard they're not even sure they're American <laughs> they're just like they're floating but so I hear it's just it's it, you know you go to Texas they're totally different way of talking than right, you do in right. California it's like, yeah it's interesting it is interesting a little that's just I guess how new languages develop over time you know yeah well, that's what's always been weird to me yeah. it's like i don't speak italian uh-huh. but my grandparents did and they spoke dialect right so like they spoke like a sicilian dialect mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. they would they would talk 
like they they would say shit that people who speak proper Italian didn't, didn't have even no idea what yeah. they were talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, it's so That's weird. Fascinating. It's like, there's so many different ways to mm -hmm, communicate. Mm -hmm. So it's, I mean, I know this, but I only know this in a sense that like I know it's a thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know that like you actually experienced it. Yeah, it was really interesting to learn a very different language. You know, as an adult and kind of just be like, oh wow, that's just a whole Did new way to think. Did you keep up with it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been a little out of practice, but I got pretty fluent, could explain everything. I still can, you know, say well, everything you I to need to, to say. If you go to Moscow, you yeah. could order dinner. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah. I could definitely have full conversations. I just would screw up the grammar. But <laughs> Could you read a book? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, I, a lot of times, I will try to read in Russian just to keep... Like the Gulag keep, Archipelago? Yeah, one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> Heavy reading. Heavy reading. But it's good. So when you were over there and it took you, you said, like, how long? Like a year before you were really fluid? Yeah, I think a year. And the guys I lived with, so they had, you know both been to prison, but they had also been in prison together with some uh, native nomadic guy that lived up in the north of Siberia. And so my buddy would always tell me, oh, you got to meet my buddy from the north. You know, you got to go live up there. And so so I was like, yeah, that'd be cool. And eventually he uh, connected us. You know, dude was coming through to sell furs in the city. And I was there and he introduced me. And uh, the Evenki guy, Yura, invited me up to the far north to kind of Check out his way of life. Is that the videos that you showed sent yeah. me on you? I'm gonna send you these these to you, Jamie, because it's crazy. Dude's riding on reindeers. <laughs> like you, uh, you were what? What? What is the name of those people? So that those were are up the Avenki people. They live in the like you know the taiga, the forest mm. up there, and they uh, are nomadic. Man, I didn't even know people like that existed until I met him. Because oh, were... you have a video. You already have it. There you go. Look at you, wizard. James they is the best googler of the, all time. Cutting the antler off of one. So why do they cut the antlers off? They do it for a number of reasons. One is because they uh, that antler skin. Well, this one particularly was growing into the reindeer's eye, so they were gonna oh. cut it off to help the reindeer. And then uh, uh, you can also eat the the uh, skin off the velvet, mm -hmm. and it's you know chi a Chinese medicine for. Uh, men's health and stuff so. well it it actually was uh, a thing that they were selling as a supplement yeah and they were uh they were selling oh man they're digging in there it's all bloody and shit it's, isn't it crazy like animals with antlers it's such a bizarre thing because they regrow every them year, every so year so much and energy fall off yeah so much energy into that and caribou, which is what a, a reindeer mm -hmm. is, mm -hmm. I believe they have the largest antlers to body size of any oh, of the, right. yeah, the deer Yeah, there's a massive one. Oh, oh hey. Yeah, this is getting serious. serious. So how often did they do that? Uh, did you show that? No, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Folks, that was a, uh, an assassination, a caribou assassination. So they would ride them and take care of them, but then occasionally they would eat them. Yeah, exactly. They provide everything for them. So they have this... They have a big herd, you know, a couple few hundred reindeer, and they basically live off of them. So they're their transportation, their clothing, their their food, their food, their economic, you know, their so economy, basically. My friends John and Jen, they live in Alberta, and uh -huh. there was a place near them that had uh, an elk farm, uh -huh. and they farmed elk for the velvet. Oh yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. they farmed them for. They would in that velvet. I believe they would sell to like a bodybuilding 
company. I think there uh-huh, there uh-huh. there was a, a vitality. Time. You know, it's well, I think it's got play, right? growth hormone in it. I oh, think maybe. that's what it is because there was a time where um, it was a thing that you would buy in like I don't know if they do it anymore. But in health food stores, you'd buy like antler spray. Yeah. And it was somehow they broke it down to a spray. Right. I mean, I don't even know if it worked. No, yeah, I don't either. But it, I mean, I'm pretty sure rhinoceros horn doesn't, but I've been at No, rhinoceros horn <laughs> do- Did you see what happened where there was fucking uh, but it might. tons of beaver penis that oh, they found? Geez. They they caught uh, a cargo <laughs> going to China Black because there was uh, tons. Here, I'll, I'll send you this, Jamie. <laughs> fucking tons of beaver penis. Here it is. Man, you're fast at Too that. Too fast. He's the, yeah. wiz- he's the wizard. <laughs> Chinese authorities seized 12 tons of beaver penises smuggled from Canada. Wow. Yeah, and Bizarre. it's, again, it's a vitality thing. It's about well, the, erections. The cool thing about the Havenki uh, up there is it's a, you know, sustainable what they're doing because they got their own... Their own reindeer and they yes. manage them and all that, so they don't have to import beaver penises. Right, <laughs> <laughs> they got reindeer, plenty of reindeer ones. Oh God, there's the beaver Jeez. dicks. Oh boy, poor beavers. There's so, I mean, to kill <laughs> that many beavers, what what is the number of beavers? It says forty wow. to fifty billion U.S. dollars. What man? The market value of animal parts illegally imported uh, on the Chinese market. Okay, I mean, not, that's still a huge number, but yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's a little steep for those. <laughs> yeah, it's so crazy. Like, they have these, well, according to my friend who's been to China many times, he said it's not even that they really believe that, like, rhino uh, horn yeah. is good for uh-huh. your, your dick. Uh-huh. But what it is, it's like, it's so hard to get and it's so exotic and illegal yeah, yeah. that they like having it. So they're like, like if a businessman Prestige. comes over your house, yes, would you like some rhino horn? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come into the secret room. Woo you know? the folks. Yeah, you pu- yeah. Push on the fucking wall of the library and slides, <laughs> you know, like yeah, totally, spy totally. movies. <laughs> and you go back there to a tea room with rhino dick. Yeah. Yeah. Deer antler there velvet IGF-1 spray supplement. Yeah, 50 bucks. Factor in it, so yeah. I don't know about that. But Is that I think it's real. I mean, it could be. It could be the fact that they do grow so fast every yeah. year you know there might be something in there i don't know well with but elk, they taste good just like it? off the velvet and we'd roast it over the fire real quick and what does it kind of like? got the bamboo shoot texture like kind of that firm oh. texture but it's real smoky and anything smoky is good what does it say so, banned substances although was, previously found world, on the world oh, wow. anti-doping agency's list oh. of banned substances deer antler spray, spray was removed in 2013 when it was deemed completely safe and legal to consume prior to athletic activity. Okay, you know what that means? Uh, yeah. That means it doesn't work. Yeah, they took it off <laughs> That's the what thing. That means. <laughs> if they take it off, it means it doesn't work. Safe to eat. Good to that, know. That doesn't mean, that means that there's no fucking performance. Oh, that's it. Ray Lewis was uh, rumored to have used it. Following yeah, an yeah. injury to his tricep in 2013. You know what? I bet they've just re- realized, like, hey, you know what's not better than much. this? Real growth hormone. Right, right. This is fucking <laughs> Concentrate stupid. it. Running around sucking on deer, <laughs> deer antlers. But uh, this farm near my friend John and Jen's place, they mm-hmm. they bought this farm specifically. These people did, not John and Jen. Right. These people specifically started farming elk just for their velvet. Yeah, weird. And then the market crashed. Like, uh, it wasn't valuable uh-huh, anymore. Uh-huh. 
I guess this was prior to 2013 when they, right. you know, when it was illegal. Yeah. And so this poor guy had all these fucking elk. And yeah, there's a there's an elk farm up by my house in Idaho that has recently closed down. I wonder if similar. Yeah. What I wonder. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how crazy is it that the most delicious meat on earth? Yeah, you think not, that'd have a market, right? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. not <laughs> what you want. You want <laughs> totally. the fucking antlers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that's a, yeah. Such a crazy animal that they grow that stuff in like three months. Yeah, look at, I mean, the yeah, size look at the of that, size of yeah. that rack. Just a that rack on the wall back there is. Man, it's got to be some growth hormone in there. <laughs> it's something <laughs> crazy. That's pretty wild. But it, and, and also cool. with elk, they keep them a lot longer than a lot of deer species because oh, yeah. they use them to fight off wolves. Uh huh. Uh -huh. So apparently they keep them like deep into the winter. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, I know the female reindeer keep them a long time too. But isn't know. that interesting? Yeah. The female reindeer are the only deer that actually have, have antlers. antlers, right? Yeah. Probably it's also for protection. Yeah, I think it is. Degree. Yeah, yeah, I think mm -hmm. it is. So when you're up there and these folks have these uh, caribou uh -huh. and they're riding them and they're taking care of them, do th do they shield the other caribou? from seeing one of them get slaughtered? Uh, no, they don't seem to be too worried about it. Like, uh, they're like it's a very like mutually you know symbiotic relationship between yeah. the reindeer and the reindeer they're always getting attacked by wolves and tore up and stuff and they always are coming to the people for protection in those times not only from wolves but even from like mosquitoes and gnats you know they'll build oh. big smoky fires so the reindeer know people are their friends and i guess uh, sort of are okay with an occasional <laughs> Occasional eating. An occasional sacrifice. <laughs> so if they have 200 of them, how often do they kill one? They try not to kill them. Like, they actually really avoid trying to kill their own reindeer. It's that You're mostly living off of, you know, moose and uh, wild reindeer and oh, game like birds and stuff. Oh, like reindeer that aren't theirs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. So it, because these are domesticated, they, they just behave differently. It's so yeah. weird to see them... Like with saddles on and shit, yeah, and people yeah. riding them. They're uh, almost. They've been. They were one of the first animals to be domesticated, actually. By Interest, humans. Yeah. Really. Which is interesting. So they. Before dogs. Not before, but one of the first, of the first? I guess. Yeah. And then they. Uh, and they've been domesticated so long that they don't even know how to domesticate wild ones anymore. So. This is crazy, Jamie. Go back to that. Let me see how they put up these yeah, teepees. It's a teepee. So is this, uh, they have this set up ready to go, yeah, and then when they get to a place and they decide to, then they pull out the sticks, they yeah, already have and the, them. Yeah, in the summer you're moving every three days or so, just following the reindeer herd through the forest, you know. Wow. In the winter, they everything's a little slower, you'll be in a place for a month or so, but just, yeah, nomad, nomads. And what do they thing. do when the weather sucks? Like, they have this, this teepee set up. You're just always out, you know, it's... You're just out in the weather, also, basically. When it's when it's really cold, negative fifty, you know, like mm -hmm. they have a little wood stove in the in the in the teepee, and it what keeps I was the thing pretty warm. Asking okay. about mm -hmm. actually is the wind because oh, yeah. the, the way they have these sticks set up, it's like they have these animal skins that go over. Is that animal skins? Those are that's canvas. That's that what, is, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. This oh, so it's, it just looks like it's like right, buckskin. Right. Yeah, so they have these canvases. Do they have loops where they tie it down? Right. Like, yeah, they do. And then they put they lean sticks on the outside also to kind of hold the mm. the uh, canvas in place. So but these it, people live so the, nomadic. Yeah, it is very nomadic, and it's man, it's awesome though. It's so fascinating to live like that and compare it to the modern world, like because not too many people get the opportunity anymore, and it's. Uh, you're so wired for it. It's weird. You know, like... Right, when, so your body just immediately I mean, falls into place for it? Yeah, your all your 
dopamine reset you know like you'll be out there fishing and every day you'll just be like yeah i got a fish you know because you're relying on it so much mm-hmm. and uh whereas like in normal everyday life here in town and stuff when do you get that excited you know <laughs> like you're right. always uh you don't have any schedule so every day you wake up it's like well what do i need to do today and you can kind of you're just free to choose you know you can go try hunting you can go collect berries you go find your reindeer and exp- you know like there's just a number of options all available to you and uh they're all directly related to your life so you don't have any you know there's no money being thrown around out there it's just kind of i'm hungry let's go fishing let's go to that spot because it's cool you know what do they do do if they get injured (laughs) that's a problem they actually have (laughs) (laughs) there's good and bad out there and they're just they uh uh they can call in a helicopter, but it's so far out, you know, it, it's going to be a problem. I've broken some ribs out there and had some, myself had some serious injuries that it just wasn't an option. You know, you just got to tough it out because there's Like what kind overcast. of injuries other than ribs? Bro, oh, man, the, I uh, chopped my knee with an axe one time with cut a tendon, that tendon Ooh. on the inside of your knee, right in half, and the, uh, my other knee had recently had a knee surgery, so I was just laid up literally like three days i was just laying in a teepee couldn't move i had to roll over poop in a bag (laughs) it was brutal but then you know you they rubbed like pine sap on it and it actually healed and uh really yeah i could have swore it would get infected but they just packed it with pine sap and pine sap yeah so healed right up pretty fast what happened to the ligament or the tendon that got cut it doesn't really feel it as bothering me but i didn't know it was cut at the time it was only later when i did a an mri yeah they told me it was but and so it never healed well i I don't know what it did they said it was hanging on by a thread i don't know if it ever healed back or what you don't even care you don't you know i don't i don't notice it as being weak so (laughs) (laughs) i'm bothered my surgery knee hurts more than that knee so what what kind of surgery i see a couple acls yeah yeah you know how it is yeah Yeah, yeah. i do so when you one of those videos was showing uh, a net is that right. some the way they would fish? They would they both. Dr- you know, you'd like yeah. A lot of times you'd put nets out, and a lot of times you'd just go cast your birch, you know, homemade rod, and just see. Oh, what is you that can what catch. they used? Yeah, yeah. So this is um, this is a net. They would just move it across the middle of the river. You'd and- set it and leave it. And they're just trying. They're just setting it right now. Then- How do they do that thing that they do on the ice when they do that? When it's frozen. When they, it's frozen? When they cut a hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they somehow or another get that so net to go through to the other a hole, side. You cut two holes, and then mm-hmm. uh, you get a long stick, and you shove it in the hole and slide it, then, like, push the stick under the ice. And on the one end, you have a string tied to it. So you push it and keep trying that until you get it to slide under the ice to the other hole. And when you do, you pull the stick out of that hole and tie your net. Whoa. On the end of the other one, and you can pull so on the, the string through. The string on the end of the stick, do you catch it with a hook or something and try to uh, pull it up? Like, let me see if I can. Yeah, no, you just uh, you pull the actual stick up through with the string tied on the back side of it. So, so you just have to you have find two the hold, stick. Yeah, you just got to get the stick to, you might have to three or four times slide it under the ice until it ends up hole. where the other hole is. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, it works good. I did it on that alone show. It was fun. Yeah, that's yeah, why I'm yeah, asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that must be really hard to do by yourself because I've seen people do it on television mm-hmm. on those uh, mm-hmm. survival Alaska shows. Oh, right. You know? It wasn't too bad. No, it was, I, uh, that part wasn't too hard. <laughs> but, uh, 
No, yeah. I don't know. It was all it's good stuff to learn out there with the natives and then came in handy for sure. Have you ever seen the Werner Herzog documentary? Yeah, that's Happy all. People? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the guy, the native that I actually first met that I was telling you about, that Euro guy, he uh, isn't a nomad himself. He's a fur trapper, so he does all that. He, real similar to that Werner Herzog oh, documentary. Really? And actually, uh, where they filmed that isn't that far from where I was in Siberia. So he, one, yeah, I went fur trapping and with him one year and it was kind of showed me the rough ropes on a you know he told showed me a topographical map he's like there's a cabin there's a cabin there's a cabin uh through some noodles in each of my cabins <laughs> you know we stocked them with noodles and then he just dropped me off and said to see you in a month and a half or whatever and wow. so just was out there my had a stupid little oh they're wrestling there huh? you go yeah good times these kids wrestle a lot yeah, it's a good way to grow up, man. Always just outside, having a good time. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> the, the Werner Herzog documentary was really fascinating because as, as you watch those people and when they talk about like no depression, mm-hmm. they're all happy, they're always mm-hmm. laughing, they love what they do, they enjoy what they do. But st- even though that's like everybody's goal, right? right. Everybody's goal is right, happiness. Right, 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 right. Everybody's like, fuck that, I'm not doing that. Yeah, it's, it, that's a fascinating conversation in and of itself because, you know, having been up there and stuff, I'm just like, man, this is an awesome way to live. If it was like my friends, my family, in yeah. that context, it's like I would probably choose that way of life. But, you know, then you find yourself here in America and you're stuck on your phone and, you yeah. know, and it's just so unsatisfying that it's it's interesting to experience both but it's kind of hard to uh i mean i mean cuz you're in where you are so my family's all here everybody's right. all here we're not nomads you know <laughs> so, right but it's funny to have experienced that way of life and almost think man that's kind of what we're made for it's almost better i wish i wish i could implement that in some way you know here uh, well i'm aware of that because people say it but i'm not right. aware of it in the sense that i've experienced, experienced it before it. Right, right. i've never experienced like just completely living i've hunted right i've camped out for a week at a time yeah or so, yeah but you start to get a feel for yeah, it yeah huh? you I'm Maybe. sort of Maybe i mean not. I yeah. think it seems like when there's no other option like that's yeah. how you're eating yeah you know we were eating mountain house and yeah you know, yeah yeah, and yeah when we shot a deer then we'd eat the deer right but, yeah no i you, I, you were speaking of which um You've read those like Quanta Parker and yes, stuff, movies, yeah. books and stuff. Uh, me too. And now, uh, having lived with those natives, it's like there's so much good there. You see, like, uh, they really are happy people. So there's a giant um, difference between the people who live in the village and the people who live in the forest. And the people who live in the forest, you would genuinely call like happy people. Like, this is, they're knowledgeable, they're being productive, they're doing all this stuff. Whereas when you go to the village, it's just like everybody's drunk. Nobody's doing everything. It's like just a total wreck, especially villages that don't have any reindeer herding connected to them because they kind of don't have their cultural context to uh, remain connected to. So the uh, so at least in the villages that have reindeer herding, the kids can go out in the summer and live with the reindeer herders and kind of experience that. And it gives them a source of pride. It gives them like uh, the experience of living in the forest becoming like kind of really in touch with nature and all that and whereas in the village it's just kind of a dark hole everybody drinks in those native villages it's like 
the statistic is that one out of three people die of suicide, homicide, or accident. So it's Whoa. just, and you feel it. Like I've got some stories of that. That's just brutal too. But the, uh, the, I, when I read those, like, you know, the empire of the summer moon, those types mm-hmm. of books, I, and I grew up with a couple of good friends that were native American and it really made me think like, I wonder if you could seeing how, how well, uh, how much of a difference it makes having that culture intact to some degree. Like, I wonder if, say, on Pine Ridge, or, or you know, on some one of these, one of these uh, reservations, if you could almost replicate something like that. Right. Like, if yeah. you could maybe take the initiative to like restore some buffalo herd, use a bunch of unused land that maybe the you know government land or or tribal land that's kind of unused restore a herd and then kind of bring back those nomadic ways it's not like everybody would have to live that way but from my own experience watching places that have that um option you know that kind of that are connected to that culture uh flourish a lot more than the ones that didn't there were venki villages with no reindeer herding and ones with and it was like night and day as far as and so i was like i wonder if that would be Anyway, it's something I've thought about. It's an interesting thing to think of, but one of the things that happened to the Native Americans in this country is all the pieces of land that they got for reservations sucked. Yeah, I know. That's the dirty trick that the white man pulled. Oh, for sure. I wonder, right, and I wonder if it, I mean, is any of that land suitable for raising, like, well, I'm sure some Buffalo. of the land is, is like, good. I wonder, or I'm saying every piece of land, but <laughs> yeah, 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 it's not really true. But a lot of it, no, for sure, Oklahoma. That's why them, they sent them to Oklahoma and the Dakotas. They yeah. sent them to some barren, barren, barren land. land. Well, that was yeah. where the Comanches were anyway, right? Were they right? in Oklahoma? Yeah, yeah but yeah. It, you know, Just before bigger. the white settlers got here and fucked everything up. Yeah. Oklahoma's probably pretty dope. Right. <laughs> a lot of animals. No, yeah, know, yeah. A lot of things happen. Man, imagine seeing 13 million buffalo roaming the plains. Well, there's an interesting story to that, too. Like, that mm-hmm. seems a little bit imbalanced as well. And there is uh, mm-hmm. Dan Flores, who's mm-hmm. a, a... Dan is a, he's a wildlife historian, right? Mm-hmm. And he wrote an amazing book called uh, Coyote America that's... Uh-huh. Uh, about it just really gives you a really interesting uh, understanding of how weird the animal coyotes are and how they've spread out across the entire country it's a beautiful book but Mm -hmm. he also wrote a book called uh i think it's called bison ecology and bison diplomacy and uh maybe this was a paper it might not have been a book but essentially the 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 thought behind this was these millions of buffalo that you see when that right, did right. happen, that only happened because the Europeans had come and uh, given the plague, given the right, smallpox right. and all this to mm-hmm. Native Americans and wiped out like the native hunting population, massive yeah. numbers of the, the hunters. Right, so right. there was like, at one point in time, there was as many as 90% of all the Native Americans died yeah, from disease, imagine? which Jeez. is insane. Right. So. Could have been literally millions of people dead from disease that would have right. been nomadic buffalo hunters. Yeah, that makes would have, a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. he, what his theory is is that um, they were in these incredibly large numbers because of that, and that it was because because yeah, yeah. he points to there's a time where the earliest uh, settlers were making their way across the country mm-hmm. in like the 1500s and, and mm-hmm. somewhere around there, mm-hmm. and they didn't talk about buffalo. They didn't. No, yeah, yeah they they talked about deer. They talked about bear. They talked mm-hmm. about all the animals mm-hmm. that we know existed, 
but there was no talking about massive these herds. massive yeah, herds yeah, of yeah. buffalo that all this seemed to have come after the Native Americans were wiped out. Right. And it kind of makes sense. That could make sense, yeah, yeah. Well, not wiped out totally, of course, but right. you know, a large number mm-hmm. of them wiped out, whereas these animals just, where they're used to being preyed upon, just yep. bred like fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And developed these huge herds. I mean, you're, you're talking about, obviously, over a period of hundreds of years, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. That'd be interesting to, or maybe those those travelers didn't run into the herds if they were bunched up in groups. Yeah, that's possible you know, like, too. But who knows? No, that I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Ninety percent of the population, yeah. you know. It's like, yeah, he's. It's a really interesting story. Like when he breaks it down. Like it's it's it really is an imbalance if you think about right. it. Like why would there be a million buffalo or many? <laughs> yeah, millions? where's the predators? You yeah, know, it's and crazy. Stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, buffaloes are so interesting too because they don't really f- predators don't fuck with them. Yeah, this giant furry thing you can't even <laughs> kill it. They're so big. There's so many of them. Right, they're just gonna right. stomp you. All right. You know, um, my friend Remy Warren. He's a, a very famous in the hunting world mm-hmm. and uh he had a show called apex predator mm-hmm. and um he replicated a famous native american painting and this famous native american painting what they would do is they'd kill a coyote oh, and yeah. they would skin the coyote and then put the coyote skins yeah, on yeah. and walk Sneak on up. all fours up to the buffalo and then shoot it with a bow and arrow yeah yeah because the coyotes that. were no threat to the buffalo mm-hmm. at all mm-hmm. so the buffalo would look at a coyote like what you want some of this bitch <laughs> like <laughs> totally, it like totally. a baby coming up to a grown man yeah, trying to yeah. pick a fight like they weren't yeah. worried about the coyotes yeah 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 no so that, i believe yeah. it <laughs> yeah it's 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 a it's an there's a it's a famous painting of i've seen these, yeah those yeah. two guys yeah. sneaking up on the herd. apparently that's real, literally what they used to do sometimes yeah they had a yeah. bunch of different strategies for how to get close enough to the buffalo because right. you know if they're using a traditional bow like they had, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're, if you're if shooting 40 yards, if you're Aaron Snyder, maybe. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> totally. It's, but when you get into that range, like 50, 60 yards, like, good fucking luck. Oh, man, know? you're lobbing them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really, And it's probably going pretty slow anyway by the time it gets there. It's not yeah, going to get yeah. much penetration on an enormous animal I with know. two by fours for ribs. Yeah, yeah. You know? Man. Yeah, I can imagine hunting those, through those herds. You know, they say they'd like, Sending arrows into this massive running herd of buffalo while you're on your horse next right. to it. You know, yeah. Fascinating stuff. Well, that book by uh, uh, Sam Gwynn, what does he call himself? S.E. Gwynn? Uh, yeah. Sam, his name's Sam. Sam Gwynn, who I had on the podcast. When, mm-hmm. when you read that book, the life that they had was so, it was so intense, the Comanche. The, and mm-hmm. it was so fascinating. Mm-hmm. That kind of makes you want to live like that. Yeah, no, even even right, man. That's that's what I was talking about earlier. Like even the uh, even living with the nomads in Siberia, it's like after having done that, it's a harsh climate, you know, brutal place. The alcoholism's rough, so it's a problem. But all that into account, it's like, man, you would almost choose this, you know. Especially now, we have the advantage of having modern medicine and stuff, also. Yes, so that's, or and supplies you know that you yes. can get so you're not going to starve if your hunt's bad and you're not going to you know a broken yeah. leg won't end you uh it's that's fascinating that's yeah that's part of the reason why it's like i wonder if now you could kind of help revitalize some of that culture in a way you know like just to, you'd have to have an enormous piece of land see the beautiful right. thing about the way the native americans lived before the white settlers came along was that there's no boundaries the worst they had to worry about exactly. was other tribes right, and, right i mean and what they did to each other was fucking horrific right that's the other thing that gets documented right. in, in <laughs> se gwen's book 
uh-huh. in um, Empire of the Summer Moon because right. you th- we, we have this narrative that the white man came along and did terrible things to right, the Native right, Americans right. and the Native Americans did terrible things to the white man, but no, they were doing terrible things to each other. Right. They're humans. Right, right. Humans, humans do terrible fighting. things to each other, yeah, especially true. fighting over resources, fighting yeah, over... Yeah. You know, land and women and buffalo and all the all the other stuff they fought over. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. I, yeah, you would need a huge piece of land. Huge. There's a, but it's like also how many how many buffalo would you need to have a sustainable like right? You know, a, a sustainable thing going. I don't think it would be that many. You know, if you can do it with 200 reindeer, buffalo are a lot bigger. You know, it's like I, I don't but know. They, but they're Nothing. hurting these. You can't really. I mean, yeah, but no, they're, they're like. Yeah, no, I mean, I guess you'd, it would be something to figure out. There's yeah. a there's an interesting project. Have you ever heard of that Pleistocene Park? Have yes. people told you about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of maybe something like that where you would have to have a big area that you kind of... That's the American Serengeti Project? Is that what you're talking it's about? It's similar. It's in Russia, though. It's where they kind of had the hypothesis that if, you know, back in the day, the climate wasn't that much warmer up north. It was just there was so much density of animals that they... Uh, you know, poop built better soil and grass mm-hmm. grew, and it made for a more lush ecosystem than the tundra now. And so they've basically fenced in a area, packed it full of muskox and moose and all that. And sure enough, you can see pictures, and the grass is growing taller. And you know, like mm. it's a much more life-giving ecosystem than the surrounding just tundra. Be interesting. This. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. There was a, a talk, there was talk about they were gonna do something to try to revive the the mammoth. Uh-huh. What is this? Oh, this is Pleistocene Park. Oh, so this is the place. Those fucking freaky animals, man. Yeah. Anyway, those are those are cool. Uh, those are cool bar- projects. Any of those ones where they're restoring. Like, yeah. Land well, and animals. It's always interesting to see, you mm-hmm. know, like when they have these theories about, you know. Uh, I had a, a guy on uh, last week. His name's Joel Salatin. Right, he, he right. He runs Polyface yeah, yeah. Farms. Mm-hmm. And he was explaining how when you farm and l- let the animals just live like animals live, yeah. you use their manure, they shit on the ground, they eat exactly. the grass. And it's actually, not only does it not add carbon to the mm-hmm. atmosphere, it actually takes it out. Right, it builds it, a Yeah, and it actually builds ecosystem. healthy soil. Like yeah. You don't need fertilizer. They, they, it's natural. Yeah. Like, there's a whole system that nature's put in place, but... When we Absolutely. have these monocrop agricultural setups and these weird factory farm setups, we're we're just hijacking nature yeah. <laughs> and forcing it to do slave labor. Yeah, it's a shame, man. It'd be it'd be cool to tap into what you know, like permaculture, I guess yeah. they call it. Just mm-hmm. tap into some of that on a larger scale because it is doesn't seem very sustainable with those. No, th- right. it doesn't. And the large-scale stuff, I mean, he was kind of saying that it was possible to feed, like, all of Los Angeles that way, but I'm like, oh, I'm not going <laughs> to uh, it was, it was, It's like, this is a lot of people, man. I'm not, I'm not right, sure. Right. It's never been done. It was, right. When something's never been done, you got to go, huh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you can do it. I mean, right. I guess you just start small and see where it goes. We you know, have, like yeah. we might have already fucked this up by just having too many people. <laughs> just this has never been this has never been a thing before. Right. Before right. the last few hundred years, it's never been a thing when you pack twenty million people into one yeah. spot. Yeah. 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 Like what? Yeah, it's crazy flying into L.A. You know, <laughs> it was my first time here, but you're just like, Whoa. oh, is your first yeah, time yeah, here? Yeah, yeah. Oh wow. Pretty packed and from good amount of smog. Idaho. Yeah. Yeah. To this, yeah. I've been to New York and stuff, but it was first good amount of smog. That's funny because it's the 
the clearest it's ever been in the history of Los Angeles because of the pandemic. <laughs> totally. Have you ever been to Beijing? No. Oh, man. Talk about brutal as far as the air goes. Is like it? You step off the airplane into the airport, and it's probably ventilated, and you step off, and you're just like, Phew. it smells like, like aluminum and just nasty. Oh. You can't even see the city. It's so dense, the, the smoke. And then... Uh, you kind of get used to it as you're walking around the airport, and then you step out of the ventilated airport, and it hits you all over again. <laughs> you're just oh, like, God. that place is rough. But yeah, I hear they're to... doing better now, too, with the whole the shutdown. Coronavirus, yeah. It's hard to <laughs> I trust I mean, as them. far as the uh, smog and pollution and yeah, all that, but I don't know. who knows? Uh, I've been to Mexico City, though. Mexico oh, City's imagine. rough. It's yeah, rough. I, it, I don't think it's as bad as Beijing, but uh, mm-hmm. I got a headache the moment I got out yeah, of the plane. I was too. like, yeah. whoa. This is and it, you can't see shit when you're flying in. You would swear there's a fire. <laughs> yeah, and there's yeah, no yeah. fire. It's just how it is there. Yeah, that's rough. Now you were saying that these people that live in the villages, mm-hmm. uh, outside of the the people that are nomadic, mm-hmm. that those people live in a real shitty way. They, they're yeah, it's rough. It's like and, there's a it's like unconnected to any other villages. You have to only get there by helicopter. You fly in, and it's what are they? What is their their job like what do they do um some of them work like in relation to the reindeer herds and i don't know i think a lot of people live off of like grandma's pension which you know in russia is probably like 100 bucks or something you know and mm-hmm. uh you know some people work at the school and the administration it's just not a lot going on but a lot of people are sustenance like hunters fishers and trappers mm-hmm. uh, that live in the village but yeah it's 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 so weird because the first time I went there, it was just like, man, this place is crazy. Everybody's drunk. It's just like a, being in like a zombie land. Like even when the reindeer herds will come from the woods, they'll like run into their house, lock the doors, shut everything up, and then you'll just see everybody like marching over to the really? house. Cause, and then they'll start banging on the doors and the windows and the and the guys inside the house, ah, get out of here, you know. Like, and just drunks? It's just, just drunks. Just, it's just insanity. Like, but it's And it's weird because then you take the same people go into the woods they sober up and it's just night and day that's so weird that's so weird and then uh yeah it's but you feel see the effects of it so like i was telling you earlier it's pretty brutal uh when i first went to the over there there was like a little you know a nice family it was like dasha and artyom you know these and their two little kids well the first time i was there i got back uh or i met the family you know i lived with them in their teepee and all this and that and then i went back to america sure enough right after i left a tree fell on their daughter out in the woods and <sighs> killed her and then oh. they after that got you know started drinking a bunch quit the nomadic way of life started living in the village uh i went back over there the girl or the uh the guy got stabbed in some drunken brawl or whatever and was in the in the hospital uh Slowly recovered. He had this big old gash with a piece of glass someone had cut him open with. He slowly recovered and then went back to his village. The drinking continued. Sure enough, they killed him. They took his body to back to the morgue, which the uh, uh, the freezers had broken, right? So it's in the middle of the summer. This body's there, but it was a murder, so they had to wait for the police to come and investigate, but it's way out in the middle of nowhere, so took like a week and it's like a week later it was just brutal go over there had to you know pick up 
this guy who's your buddy and his wife is helping me like dress this body because oh, they're basically Christ. like okay we're done with the investigation you can go and bury is him decomposing yeah yeah oh, Jesus it's Christ. brutal i mean and the wife is helping you yeah and the wife's helping we like oh. took care of his body like pick him up and like the skin slips off and all that stuff oh. and then uh take care of, you know we took care of him buried it buried him it was pretty rough but then a year later, I come back. She had gotten remarried, you know, kind of starting her life again. Turns out he hangs himself not long afterwards. Oh. So, again, it's this woman who's lost two husbands and her daughter. She just her and her son. Oh. I just found out a little while ago she got too drunk, passed out in the snow, and died. So now it's just the one son left from this oh. whole family. And you, like, hear those stories often up there. It's, like, really rough. Uh, you know, but that's balanced with what is could be so beautiful. It's like such a juxtaposition because you're out in this life where you have like people are happy, you know, ultimate freedom and they're doing great. But when they but the village and the alcohol just does this whole other thing to them. And it's like these people who are so beautiful, so nice, so friendly, <laughs> you know, so open to you. Uh but you just see him suffering so much from this scourge. It's like, man, that's it's brutal. Cr it's crazy that the scourge doesn't extend to the people that live in the forest. Yeah, once they get out in the woods, you know, they don't have the alcohol available and they don't. But even if they did, do you think they would drink it? It seems like. Yeah, they usually drink it. You know, like when they go to the village, they get it and then they'll take go out to the woods and they'll drink for a few days until it's all gone and then. It's all sober. And they get back to normal. Everybody's back to normal. Do you think it's a genetic thing? Or do they have? Yeah, that's been a good question. I've thought about that. You know, there's that there's that hypothesis, like yeah. that maybe it is because that people have been introduced to alcohol more recently. That they're, they're not, uh, yeah. a, you know, can't process it as well. But that was a. Th it could also there could, you could also have the explanation. It's probably a combination of both. That when you do, like, have a people that are largely stripped of their culture and they're like. You know, because even the Avenki, as cool as their way of life is, you know, they had, you know, 70 years of communism where they came in and they collected all the best reindeer herders and said that they were like uh, kulaks or what, you know, like the bourgeois because they have too many reindeer, sent them all to prison, you know, like collectivized mm. all these reindeer herds, these family herds, they turned into like government herds, oh. you know, so it's been like their culture is not completely intact. Uh and it's like, well, there might be enough cause just from that kind of thing to explain some of the alcoholism, but I imagine it's a combination of both, you know. Yeah, I've always wondered mm -hmm. that about the Native Americans, the same mm -hmm. sort of situation, right, right, right? right? Like how much of it is despair from right. them being removed from their normal nomadic way of life right, and right. how much of it is just the fact that they don't have the genes to process right. alcohol because they didn't evolve with alcohol. Yeah. You know, there's that story of Cynthia Ann Parker yeah. who's on the wall out there mm -hmm. who's uh, Quanah Parker's uh, mother. Mm -hmm. And she was kidnapped by the Comanche when she was nine mm -hmm. and then recaptured by the Texas Rangers, I think it was the Texas Rangers, uh -huh. when she was like 30 uh -huh. with a child and uh -huh. she was begging to go back to the Comanches. She did not want right. to live like it. And she found the way of living that the settlers had was just pathetic. She right. hated it. <laughs> yeah. You know, they the Comanche lived in a world where everything was magic and like the sky was a god, the wind mm -hmm. was a god. Like you, you mm -hmm. worshiped nature, you lived off the land, right. you followed the buffalo herd, and then all of a sudden you're in a village. Cooped up in a house. Yeah. And you got it. 
Yeah, yeah and everybody's exactly. like pushing Jesus on you. You're like, yeah. Christ. Man, it's the same same thing over there. It's like, right, it's just a juxtaposition of yes. ultimate freedom in this beautiful way of life versus like you're in the village in this little house. You know, these people are never going to be good like in Russian society because they live in some remote village, yeah. no internet, nothing. You know, like, yeah. and then, but they're also the ones that aren't connected to their way of life are yeah. also not going to be great Evenki because they've just lived right. in this little house and drink, you know, a bunch. So it, they, it, people get caught in that weird uh, in-between place. And but it seems like even if it's not cultural, there's some right. there's something that draws people to that way of life. Well, that when yeah. they live like that, right. it's very satisfying. Absolutely. Like, and as my for, as for my own experience, like, yeah, I'm not a native, you know, but, right. I, but I lived with them and it was awesome and it like spoke to me deeply yeah. same thing even on you know things like the alone show it's like oh man this is what we're built for right. you know like you really feel it it's it's uh you know an interesting thing like i don't have like a great memory or you know i don't usually have good very vivid or interesting dreams but when i'm in the forest you know like I have all these vivid dreams that seem really meaningful and powerful. It's like my memory's way better. I remember people that I've long forgot. Just because you go so long without distraction, you can really delve into your mm. thoughts. And uh, yeah, it's a fascinating thing to experience. And once you do, you kind of realize, you, you know, what's missing. And it was interesting listening to you talk to like Elon Musk. And as the, you know, inevitable march of progress moves forward, it's like, we kind of lose things, but we don't actually know what we're losing, you know? Yeah, and so yeah. uh, as far as like the natives and like one of the reasons I want to see them preserve their culture, culture and their old ways and take it forward is just as kind of a, a memory receptacle so that as things move forward, we can still connect, you know, with, mm -hmm. with what we've lost because it is a lot, you know? Well, it seems like we're becoming something different. It mm -hmm. seems like we used to be this thing this animal that figured out how to use tools and mm -hmm. clothes and mm -hmm. figured out how to live off the land and figured out how to live in harmony with nature and then we invented electricity <laughs> yeah it changed and a we, lot yeah i mean we then we invented something that allowed you to project media like whether mm -hmm. it's radio at first and then mm -hmm. television and then we are connected in this way where the world is it's a smaller place in, mm -hmm. in some ways because it's you, you're connected to everybody, right. but it's still the same size, really. Right, right, and it's right. also far more complicated because you get so much information. There's yeah. so much so shit much thrown at Yeah, like Twitter. Like I don't know if yeah. you go on Twitter, but I've actually saved I, myself from that. Dip yeah. my toe into it every now and then just to <laughs> peek at the fucking madness. It's like a, it's like a bunch of chimps with weapons just right. fighting in a box. Yeah, it's, 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 it's rough. madness. I I've appreciated your stance on like putting something up and forgetting I about just it, get but it out is of dodge. It is hard to do that. Of course, those are. I mean, yeah, it's hard to not get sucked into social media, but it doesn't really speak to you anyway. But it just no. like absorbs your time. It absorbs your right. time in a negative way though. Absolutely. I don't I very rarely get anything positive yeah. out of it. <laughs> I get occasionally interesting stories from right. some of the people that I follow. Mm -hmm. And that I, I appreciate that. But right. the actual communication aspect of it, like communicating to me or yeah, yeah. me to them, like mm -mm. Yeah. Not yeah. interested. Yeah. I like this. 
right. I like, like in in a way, yeah, like even right. though this is digital, mm-hmm. like you and I are sitting at the. I don't even like when I do them remotely. Yeah. I only do them remotely because of the pandemic, or if someone right. can't get here. That's why I wanted to show up. Yeah, Same thing. It's man. Like, it feels unnatural. Yeah, yeah. you like looking at people. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to be in the room with you. <laughs> totally, you know, totally. it's, it's, it feels better. It's fun. Yeah, but it's that's a. I think that, and I think that's in ironically because podcasts are a digital medium in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. It's one of the reasons why it resonates with people mm-hmm. because they can tell that we are really having a conversation right, right. in a way that people don't have that m- much like you don't really have three hour conversations right. with someone where you just don't look at your phone just sit across from each other yeah. and talk to each other and then talk about all kinds of shit yeah yeah it's a beautiful thing it's like yeah you and you gotta have that and it's like yeah yeah that's one of the things you experience like what you know when i'm in the woods or on that yeah. When I was on that show, it's amazing how little you miss social media, right? But you then don't miss you, it at all, yeah. You don't miss it at all. But then when you come back to life, it's still just like Yeah, it just sucks you in. in. Yeah. yeah. It's like a little demon whispering, it is, you, come, it is. come into the gutter. It's like the clown from It. Absolutely. Come, in. come on. Just, check. Check. just do a little yeah. scrolling. Uh, yeah. yeah. Whoa, next thing you know. <laughs> it's, it's really interesting that those people that live in the village are so close to the happy people. Yeah. They're so close to the tiger. So They're so close yeah. to and those people in that Werner Herzog documentary, you watch it and you're like like why is it why is it that people think there's part there's like a cynical aspect of uh, our society where they look mm-hmm. at people that live like that, like look at this dummy. No electricity, he's got right, fucking right, right, right. he's got uh, plastic windows. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, that because the bears might attack his primitive. house. Like, get yeah, the yeah. fuck out of here. I'm not living like that. But meanwhile, he's not on antidepressants, you are. He's right. not on you know, he's not on Xanax, you are. Right, right. He, he doesn't drink before he goes to bed every night because he can't deal with life. You do. It's cool because you're out there and it's like yeah. Your creative juices flowing, you know, like you get problems constantly coming up and it's like you yeah. got to think to solve them. And they're all I mean, that's probably how people like developed creativity. It's like, yeah. how do I catch this moose or how do right. I, you know, do this or that? And uh, and you really just feel alive in that way. You really do. I'd, well, so many yeah. people have done it and mm-hmm. like detached and then documented it. Like uh, I'm sure you're, you're aware of uh, Dick Prenicky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. got there's a bunch of great videos of mm-hmm. him before he died where he, you know, he he moved up there. I believe he had some sort of an industrial accident when he was mm-hmm. like in his late 40s or early 50s and mm-hmm. almost went blind mm-hmm. and then made the decision like I'm not living like this anymore. I'm right. I'm going to get a fucking cabin right. and just live in the woods and live off the land. And there's something so universally appealing about that, where those videos right. are fascinating. They, Watching him appealing. make his tools, build his house. Right, and that, and that's what uh, that's a just to add to that. It's super appealing. What's actually interesting about like native culture and stuff is you have that, but you also have community because you've got like multiple teepees or whatever. Yes. You've got all these people, and you're interacting with your family and loved ones while also, you know, living in a. Yeah, you're not out by yourself. You and know. they're all living that kind of fulfilled life. Right. So you're all right. like feeding off it together. You're very in touch with like the cycles of life. Like it doesn't. It didn't feel. Uh, you know, death feels more like a natural part of the. So you're always seeing it with the reindeer and with this and that. You know, there's always, and it just feels more a natural part of life. It's less. There's a little bit less existential angst, I would imagine, amongst mm. the, the the average nomad out there than there is. 
here in LA. <laughs> yeah, man. Look, dude, here in LA, it's a fog that just yeah. sweeps through communities. Yeah, and particularly yeah. now, because nobody could work. Mm -hmm. This is the grossest I've ever seen it because oh, interesting. just people are so angry and depressed and confused yeah. and frustrated and And, and it's helpless. tough when everyone's in a mask and you don't get the like right. personal connection of like just seeing someone and be like, smile. But, and if you try going out in LA, they'll scream at you if you don't have a mask on. <laughs> yeah. Put your fucking mask on. I'm like, I'm on the other side of the street, bitch. They scream at you like I'm nowhere near rough. you. Delaw! Uh, Delaw! <laughs> fucking everyone's Judge Dredd. It's like, come on, Jesus Christ. Some common sense. Meanwhile, I was in Texas this last weekend. Normal. People say hi, shake your hand. Everyone's right. walking around, no right, mask. Right. You go to a restaurant. They, they make the waiters wear masks, mm -hmm. but everybody else just mm -hmm. everyone's one's fucking sitting there like normal people, and it seems fine. Right. Be interesting. So yeah, uh, I mean, just life has inherent risk. Yeah, yeah but they're like coronavirus cases rising in states <laughs> that have opened early. How by how they much? Love to blow Three that up. people. Right, right. And they walk it off. But of course it will rise. But it's also yeah. like, yeah. But yeah, we got you. Also got to live. <laughs> yes, and you really should go outside because right. that's probably one of the big the reasons why you're going to get you. sick in the first place. Yeah. Is lack of vitamin D, being cooped up, cooped up unhealthy yeah. lifestyle. Absolutely. Yeah. All those things that are like a side effect of the city, the mm -hmm. bad food, the, the mm -hmm. sedentary lifestyle, mm -hmm. the lack of nutrients, all those things contribute to all those diseases. Yep. And then people being stacked on top of each other. Like, like think about where they got it the worst. New York yeah, City. Of course, yeah, yeah. New York City, which, mm -hmm. think about how they live. They live right, in this right. really weird way. It's exciting. Right. It's fun. A lot but, of action. Yeah, but, a lot yeah, yeah. of energy. Bam, yeah. bam, fuck you. I was like, whoa, this is a crazy place to live. But it's not normal. I'm like, compared, yeah. like, take someone from the Taiga and bring them to Manhattan before right. the pandemic, and they'd be like, right. what is this? Yeah, what is this? If indeed. you grew up there yeah, and you yeah. didn't know and you've never seen a TV, that yeah. would be a fucking trip. It would be. <laughs> oh my god! You get so you'd be exhausted immediately. There's a vice uh, vice guide to travel uh, special online that you could watch on um, this guy uh, Heinmo, and uh -huh. he lives in Heinmo Koth, I think his name is, and he lives in um, really far north Alaska, uh -huh. and it's Heinmo's Arctic Adventure is what uh -huh. it's called. And this guy moved out there, I believe in the 70s. He was working as a logger, mm -hmm. and he has a permit to have a cabin up there. He's like the last guy to have a permit, and he has like a, oh, the cool. permit on his door in case mm -hmm. someone stops by, <laughs> because he's really not supposed to live out there, but yeah, he's yeah. allowed to. And he's a really intelligent guy, really articulate guy. Mm -hmm. And he just talks about how uh, he just hunts caribou and, and, and catches fish. Yeah. And that he believes this is how people are supposed to live. And yeah, he yeah. Just feels really connected yeah. and really healthy and happy. And, I mean, he looks great. Right. He's like in his 60s. He's just wandering around hunting and fishing and occasionally has to shoot a bear because it's fucking yeah. trying to steal his food. Yeah, yeah. But there's something about it that, again, this is not a guy who grew up like that. I mean, right. he didn't, but he just, it resonated with him in a way that nothing else did. Yeah, my, like my wife came with me to Siberia for, spent a winter and a summer. But, you know, it's like, she's from New York City. And, oh, no way. Yeah, and she went out there and loved it. You know, like, really? it's like, it's like a way better, it, it, she could see what it was. It's, mm -hmm. uh, she could feel that connection. It actually, interestingly, is a little there's tougher. There's Heinmo. Oh, there he goes. And he lives up there. And one of the things that he said that was really interesting, and, and so what's really funny is this dude who's with him 
is uh, I, mean, I guess you could call him a millennial, and just right. looks like a reporter, just <laughs> a little fellow with glasses on. He's probably never done this a day in his life, but he's got balls because he went out there and lived with this guy for a little bit and yeah. stayed in a tent and the whole deal. But this guy um, had <laughs> never seen 9/11. Heinmo had never oh, didn't right. didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. He never <laughs> never heard that it happened. Life. Yeah, and then one day years later, I believe he saw a photo of it. Like that Japanese guy that didn't know World War II ended. Right, exactly. <laughs> the guy on the island. Yeah. So they, this guy, um, this reporter, lives with him for quite a while and mm-hmm. uh, sort of experiences the life. And it's the same thing. It's like there's something about it that resonates with you. It you, does. You see the way this guy lives his life, and you're like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's uh, – I mean, obviously, there's a big – for someone that grows up in a city or something, there's like a big – yeah. hurdle to get over but i i think it would be fairly i don't want to say universal but i think a lot of people would really connect to it if yeah. you once you experience it well it's my friend dan dan mm-hmm. doty he um actually takes people out in, in particularly kids troubled kids right, right and takes them to the woods and and for extended periods of time yeah. and has them live off the land yeah and as a therapy right so you take these kids that are that have affluenza mm-hmm. you know what that is yeah too you affluent. affluent you go up you grow up <laughs> and a sickness you know, it's a sickness yeah. you grow up with nannies n- <laughs> totally. no connection to your father and yeah. all that kind of shit and they take them out to the woods and dan has this whole uh, he's got some project he's doing i forget what it's called see so you can find it dan doty but he actually ex- has extended this to men and it, it um it, there's these these retreats that they do and essentially mm-hmm. the idea is like to just reconnect people with nature right. reconnect people with hard work and and living in in the in the forest in a natural way as mm-hmm. a therapy mm-hmm. and there's something incredibly there it is right there what is it called every man, every man. yeah and that's my that's my buddy cool. dan the guy on the, on the right i've been hunting with him right. he used to be on the meat eater crew and then now he's doing this and that's cool. Oh, that's me and him. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and uh, Dan's just a great guy. And it's it's a really interesting thing that he f- sort of felt like he had a calling right. to I- introduce people to this sort of way of life as a therapy. Right. As uh, right, just right. A, a, just giving them a new perspective and letting them know that there's, there's actually meaning to this. Mm-hmm. This is not as simple as like, oh, let's go camping and be an asshole mm-hmm. and fucking drink yeah, beer. Yeah, get a deeper. We... We tried a similar thing in Siberia where we took a bunch of the village, like, young guys that were just kind of drinking their childhood away. Oh, yeah? We took them out into, onto that year guys, you know, trapping lands. And how'd that go? It just went well. I mean, they all did great while they were out there. Of course, it's like a temporary thing when, uh, unfortunately, like, when I left, a lot of them went back to doing the same thing mm. they were doing. But it's like, gives people a... Uh, an opportunity, you know, like that's all you can do. You can't force anyone to change, but yeah, you, you can, can show them. Yeah, the, you can show them the stream, but you yeah. can't make them drink. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's a, it's got to be hard because if you've experienced that way of life only briefly, but the other way of life is very normal. Well, you to just you go back to your old friends and your yeah. old, you know. Although that that said, there was one dude that did a you know full 180 really yeah well that's all you need yeah yeah. just one is a victory (laughs) exactly that's really like out of how many people oh there was actually only like five that went out there that's pretty amazing pretty good i guess that's amazing (laughs) that's great odds felt it felt 
not like a failure, but it just felt like Hey, man, 20%? Potential. Well, yeah, yeah I guess so. You have to that's look at it that way. Excellent odds in that regard. Fuck, that's incredible. <laughs> I mean, if you can get 100 people and 20 of them turn their life around, yeah, that's, yeah, I guess, that's as right. good as any therapy as good as you could hope have. for, right? Yeah. For sure. I mean, how many people go to therapy for years and you know barely budge? Right. Yeah, know? that's absolutely true. Yeah. When yeah. you think of it that way, there you go. Thanks for the new perspective. <laughs> so were you aware of Alone before you went to do it? Uh, yeah, I was. Like, I had watched it. I don't watch much TV, but it happened to be the one show that I kind of liked. So I uh, I watched the first two seasons and basically just sent him a link to my YouTube, YouTube videos. And I was like, um, oh, you know, you everyone watches it. And like, oh, I could do that. <laughs> and then uh, I forgot about it. And then a few years later, they called me out of the blue and said, yeah, we want you on season six. Like, well, it oh, must wow. be like Fear Factor. When we were doing yeah. Fear Factor, we would get just not, I mean, I wasn't going through them, but the people right. that were going through, the, the casting folks, they mm -hmm. would get just fucking stacks Swamped. and stacks yeah, of yeah, people yeah. trying to get on the show. Oh, yeah. It was impossible to navigate it all. Yeah, dude, you'd have to get really lucky to even. But they found you. Yeah, they found me somehow and then. I would think that they would think you were a little bit too good at it. <laughs> like, this, this fucking guy's already done this. Yeah, uh, I guess I don't know what they thought, but it was I was pretty happy when uh, they when I found out it was going to be in the north. You know, like right. oh, I was like, oh, awesome! That's I, your, I like that place. That's yeah, your yeah. style. <laughs> and dude. how how much money do you win when you win it? Five hundred thousand. Woo! Ooh, a nice little that's chunk a good of change. chunk of change. Yeah, yeah. So it's definitely motivating. It's a lot of. Uh, a lot of manual labor to do that. Yeah, no <laughs> which shit, is what I right? was doing. Especially so. seventy-seven days worth. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah. If you could bang out a half a mil in seventy-seven <laughs> yeah. days, you're doing pretty fucking Not good. Not bad wages, no. Nope. Yeah, real good. Uh, yeah. So when you sign up for the show, mm -hmm. um, how much time in advance do they give you? Uh, you probably hear maybe two, three months before they drop okay. you off. A couple so months. When mm -hmm. you hear, okay, mm -hmm. you're you're gonna well, I guess, you know, actually it might be like, it's like a month and a half. Yeah, yeah. From oh. when they select you to when you get dropped off. Basically. So when you knew you were selected mm -hmm. and you knew you're the, did you do anything to prepare? Um, you do little things. Like I had been living with my family, you know, like I had uh, I haven't been in Russia for a few years because I had a few kids and doing the little family thing and I found out I was going on. I was like, oh man, like I'm a little rusty on all this, you know? <laughs> so, but I, uh, but mostly my main preparation was trying to put on weight, which is always not that easy for me. So I was drinking like as many calories as I could, trying to put on a little extra weight and shooting the bow, you know, getting out there and shooting the recurve, trying to dial in a little bit on that. And why'd you choose a recurve over a compound? Because you're only allowed a recurve. Yeah, uh, yeah it's got to be kind of primitive gear mm, that you get. Okay. They yeah, want you compound to have a would, shitty bow. Yeah, it would have been sweet with a compound. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. <laughs> but uh no, it, it was cool. The some yeah, my preparations were mainly that, mainly just trying to put on weight, dial in on the bow and you know. Now, when you say try to put on weight, that was so that you could burn fat yeah, if just, you ran out of food? Right, just so I had a little more reserves because I have a skinny guy with a fast metabolism. Like previous winners of the show had usually been bigger dudes that uh, had a lot of extra weight to lose. You could live off your fat for a long yeah, time exactly. if you have water. There's yeah. actually a, a guy, uh, Rob Wolf. Was it Rob Wolf that told us about this guy that had lived? The, uh, no, Dom D'Agostino told us about this guy who lived a ketogenic diet who went, he uh, 
fasted for 360 something yeah. days <laughs> he must have been huge huh? he was fat as fuck yeah. but at the end of it was a normal size and what's really crazy is he didn't have this the loose skin that plagues oh, a lot of people uh, yeah. that lose weight uh, I mean, weird the, his whole body shrunk uh, yeah and he wow. became like a normal guy good for him he lived <laughs> off of vitamins and water he had a, took a vitamin drip and and drank water and for a whole year ate no food yeah and his body just lived off the fat yeah yeah that's amazing I, yeah it's, it's a crazy story yeah yeah yeah. i mean it takes will there you power. go there yeah <laughs> i wonder what he did for just like hunger pangs i know and all that, well i know? don't like, think you get him i think yeah. after a while yeah, they you do don't go get away after a while you kind of and when you're that fat mm -hmm. i mean you, you your basically body just switches have yeah. a year's worth of food just carrying around <laughs> yeah that's... i think he got down to like 160 pounds and became a normal person right like right. was morbidly obese do you, you know it 180. Good. He lost 276. Man, good for him. Good for him. 276. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. You got a I photo wonder if he was channel? able to hold it off. A good photo of I wonder if he was able to keep it off. You know. I know he's a yeah. fat fuck now. Now he's 3,000 pounds. <laughs> yeah. Just went back to donuts and only. Yeah. So oh, uh, back in the day. Yeah. That's what he. Uh... Is that him? Mm -hmm. It was in the 60s. Oh, was it really? Mm -hmm. Wow. Looking That's sharp. Yeah, and like you say, he doesn't have like a. A lot of that skin. No, he wasn't yeah. plagued with. Is this this is the only time this was done? Was in the sixties? When I typed it in, that's what popped up. There's another mm. guy that fasted for 385 days, like a hunger strike or something. But wow, look at what he used to look like versus what he looked like at the end. That's yeah. nuts. Um, yeah, so I was I was I was self conscious about my weight going on there. Like I'm too skinny for this sport. So what kind? <laughs> so what kind of stuff did you eat to, uh, to pack on the pa the calories? Oh, I was just drinking olive oil and trying to get fat off of that mostly. Olive oil, huh? Yeah, yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, what kind of farts did you have from just drinking <laughs> olive oil? I would imagine your gastrointestinal like system would be like, what are you doing? Smelled <laughs> <laughs> like your homeland of Italy, right? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> now, did you drink soda, too, to try to get sugar in no, you as well? Gross. Or, yeah. No, yeah. I, I tried drinking those weight gainer shake mm. things, but, man, that, those, those are, are disgusting. brutal. Yeah, you feel oh, terrible. It's just like, like all morning, bricks. I was just like, <laughs> laid out. They fucking just wreck you. Oh, they right? do. It's it's terrible stuff. Yeah, those were like I remember back in my like right out of high school. There's a lot of guys who were trying to put on muscle, would drink yeah. that uh, weight gain yeah, stuff, yeah. and it would come in this tub, this huge <laughs> yeah, tub, and you had to put many scoops into the shake. Yeah, like, I hate that. Oh. And just the fucking feeling in your stomach you just drank sand. <laughs> just not meant to be at that no, point. Yeah. No. <laughs> so um, so you're just drinking olive oil. Did you wind up putting on any weight? Yeah, I got like 25 pounds or so. So oh, wow. that was actually pretty good in like a month and a half or whatever. So. That's pretty impressive because yeah, yeah. you're a really lean but guy. But it was, it was all fat. And, I, and honestly, that, that weight went away really fast too when I was out there. It like, just from the <laughs> exercise? And yeah, just from cold. running around. and Yeah, yeah. I would imagine the cold alone makes Yeah, you, you burn. I mean, I think it was about, you know, you average around a pound a day just losing weight, maybe a little. That's kind of so, scary. Yeah, so you kind of feel like pressure's on to hunt some big game, hunt some, yeah. you know, like, yeah, yeah. So and, do you have uh, formal training with a recurve? Do you know how to use no, it correctly? 
Uh, no, I don't. It's self-taught, so I, mm. I need to go meet up with Aaron and get some uh, tips, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, that's why Aaron really got into it, because he's such a good bow hunter with a compound that right. he, he actually found it to be not Too as easy. challenging yeah, as, yeah. as he needed and wanted, uh-huh. and he wanted to kind of prove to himself and other people that he could do the same yeah. with, a, with a recurve bow. Yeah, he's no, super recurve, recurve. recurve. Yeah, that's awesome. Have you it's seen like the cool videos skill. he puts yeah, out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got these videos super of cool. him shooting bullseyes at like 45 yards right. with a recurve. And like, right, right. Kind of crazy. It's, it is. That's really cool. And uh, Yeah, I, I mean, I just practice getting better. I'm but you got to practice a lot with you that do, thing. You do. I did notice on that show, like, there's something about you by yourself and you need the food. You get so concentrated. You're so dialed in. Like, mm. when I go shoot at a target, it's hard to really be fully focused but man when yeah. you see like the squirrel or the rabbit over there mm-hmm. it's just like you're so dialed in that i found my i was pretty accurate out there which and were was you cool. using the point of the arrow the tip of the arrow were you using that as a guide like do you, when you aim yeah yeah well let's see maybe it's a little more instinctual than that but yeah you kind of yeah it's the point of the arrow shouldn't yeah this part of your, aaron was trying your... to explain to me how he used it like he actually like to a certain range mm-hmm. like he knows like where where his 20 yard range is right, right, based right. on the the point of his broadhead oh yeah yeah no that's a good idea i mostly was i mean i've done a lot of like, bow hunting you're too bringing it way up right. here and looking down the shaft of the arrow versus like a recurve or a compound where right. your your string is much lower in your face yeah 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 you're using the arrow to kind of guess the distance between the target and the, yeah the top of your yeah. arrow and just use you know like Bow hunting just allow it gives you good experience with estimating range. Yes. That's one of the most important things because with a recurve you got a big arc, so right. you're five it's yards not going off. Slow. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or it's going very slow. Mm-hmm. So did you have a target that you practiced with while you were out yeah. there? Not while I was out there. I, I practiced a lot on just rabbits and squirrels. You know, every day just mm-hmm. got pretty and dialed you had in. Nine arrows. Nine arrows. Yeah. Did you lose any? I lost a couple, like shooting at squirrels and trees, and then oh, that's they're suck. just so tempting because they're up there like, nya, 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 nya. You're like oh. <laughs> <laughs> now what about fat? Like, yeah. I would think that you would need fat. Well, yeah, you do, and that's that's why you eat the whole animal. You know, suck the brain out of the rabbit, try to get every bit of fat you can get, and I I learned a lot about that out there because. Uh, I mean, I caught a lot of rabbits and squirrels early on, but I still just lost weight as fast as if I wasn't eating. It felt like yeah, you that know what said, rabbit it, starvation is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was when I went out there. I was like, I wonder how long that takes. Is that like a year? But right. basically, it's as soon as you start eating rabbits. <laughs> but there's no fat. On yeah, that. not much on them. It was like maybe enough to make up for the energy I was expending by running around. Like mm-hmm. I don't think I lost fat. Their weight faster than someone that was just sitting there. It was probably about the same. Right. But I was able to run around, have fun, you know, shoot my bow and like learn my land, see how animals were moving and stuff. So you didn't have any supplies that you initially set out with right, in terms right. of like no food. No food. Yeah, yeah the, it's it's a fascinating experience when that helicopter drops you off, flies away, and you're you've never scouted this place before. You didn't get to choose where you're at. Wow. And it just flies away, and you're just like, wow. Somehow I have to. Did they scout here. it? Yeah. They did. They so they knew that out. there was wild animals there? Yeah, they scout out and basically try to find 10 spots that have some form of potential sustainability on them. Wow. You know? And then you got to try to unlock the key. You know. Did you have any filtration system for water? <laughs> no, I started by boiling all my water, but then I just slowly drank bits of 
raw water until I could pretty much just drink raw water because it's I was it was a big old lake up in the far north. It's like there's pretty clean. So yeah, and I didn't get sick, but I drank mm-hmm. out of a lake once off of uh, in. Um, uh, Prince of Wales, oh, in yeah. Alaska. Uh-huh. Apparently, it's high enough altitude so there's no beavers. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Was, it was still weird, just dipping your canteen <laughs> in a lake, just drinking. It's yeah. strange. That's what we had done in Siberia too, and it's always even in like moss puddles. It's like this yellow water, but they'll just dip right in and drink wow. out. So now, when you said you drank a little bit, that was to test to see. If yeah, you'd just get to see if shits. I'd get mildly sick rather yes. than chugging it to begin with. Right. But, yeah, so yeah. you boiled it at first, and then started sipping it a little bit, and then eventually just were drinking. Yeah, although another thing in the far in the cold when you're trying to conserve calories like that, you uh don't want to drink a lot of cold water, so I'd heat it anyway. Mm. So Oh, it makes sense. So, yeah, yeah. And what did you do for shelter? Uh they a tarp was one of the things we took, so I built a little like A-frame shelter just out of logs, covered it, like chinked it with moss, mm-hmm. put the frame over. I spent less time on shelter, more time like procuring food and hunting so mm. it was a quick shelter threw it up i knew for, i mean i've lived in a teepee in that weather so i like knew i was going to be fine on the cold as long as i could provide enough calories to keep my body warm <laughs> so how many days did it take you before you got an animal uh well i got a rabbit on day one so oh, that was okay. nice and then i continued to get rabbits but it was 23 days when i got a moose so that was well, then you're that good. Was, then you're right? good, kind of. That's yeah, like yeah, yeah. eight months of eating. Yeah. I mean, again, I was amazed how much fat you eat. You know, like, yeah. yeah. So you, I was I was counting my moose and being like, hmm, not, <laughs> this isn't like an infinite supply of food here. You know, because eat, there's not enough fat. Yeah, because yeah. you're definitely eating more fat than you are protein. Yeah. So, but plus I had a wolverine come and pillage my stores of fat and stuff. So I, Yeah, I heard about this. Yeah, so yeah. how did that happen? What? Where did you store everything? Well, it was initially, I didn't, to be honest, I didn't expect to see a wolverine. I never have, and I just wasn't something on my consciousness. And so when I got the moose, I put all the meat up on this shelf I built and thought, man, if a bear comes, it'll be great. I'll have a chance at a bear. You know, I'll wake up in the night and kind of be like a bait pile, basically. Plenty of fat. Yeah, there. yeah. And so I was maybe expecting a bear to come, but I went to sleep. The first night I got the moose and woke up and I came out and there were just tracks everywhere. Somehow I hadn't woken up, but Wolverine's a lot slyer animal and he had come and pulled out all the kidney fat. You know, I had like a jug oh, of kidney no. fat that I was just like, no. He ate all your fat? He hauled off a, a full gallon jug packed with kidney fat. I had other fat, but that was like, you know, weeks of fat there. Did I you was, find it? No, uh, it was it was rough. And so then... He was pretty excited, I'm sure. <laughs> so that Wolverine just kept know. coming back every day. I figured, I don't know if they're like, I figured they were nocturnal, but they, sure enough, I'd be like out there scraping my moose hide in the middle of the day. He'd come running up and like try to grab some meat and run off. And I was like, holy smokes, this thing's bold. Is this a photo of him? Yeah, that's the one. That's, Where is he? That's at my shelter there. Er, that's off the show. There he is, sneaking around. The, uh,. <laughs> But, wow. Oh, yeah. So he stole 35,000 calories, which is gold up there. Oh, so you got some serious gear on. You're wearing Kuyu. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you yeah, got yeah. real uh, Real gear. Real yeah, you're not, it's not naked and afraid, fortunately. Yeah. No, well, that's that's serious uh, hunting gear you're yeah, wearing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there's your, your A-pillar. Yeah, there's that's that little. That's pretty dope. Is that when you pissed off that the moose fat? Yeah, that, 
Yeah, a yeah. gallon of moose fat, <laughs> moose fat contains roughly 35,000 calories. Wow, gone. Gone. Cunty like, little oh, moverine. You should have yeah. kept that shit in the little tent with you. Yeah, I really should have. I thought I would hear a bear coming, but I didn't think mm. that Wolverine. Then the uh, anyway, he kept coming every day, and I knew I knew it was gonna be me or him, kind of on that island. <laughs> so, so They're such like, scary little fucks. I heard, I read, maybe you, Jamie could find it, but that uh, one killed a polar bear in the uh, zoo a while ago. A Wolverine? Yeah, yeah. I'm not shocked. Ferocious little things. I've yeah. seen him chase off bears. Yeah, I've seen oh, they videos will. of them mm-hmm. chasing bears mm-hmm. off of kills. Wolves, all bears that. Bears like, what the fuck? Yeah. They're, they're just <laughs> so ferocious. Thing. Yeah. And they're so durable. Like, yeah. they get bit by bears and wolves, and they just fucking shake it off. Yeah, cool so, animals, for real. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah man. Such cool it's animals. A, it's just a weird animal, right? It they're is. so ferocious. Yeah, yeah. And small. Yeah, you know? <laughs> just making it on attitude yeah, out there. Yeah, just fucking anger and biting. <laughs> <laughs> Little muscle ball. Like when Did I, you eat him? Yeah, of course, if you shoot a well, or, you know, I was actually killed it with my axe, but when you do that, you've got to eat the heart out of it. So I cut it open, mm. ate the heart. <laughs> then I wow. ate a drumstick, of course, but it tasted like skunk, so I was like, I'll save the rest for a Hold rainy on. day. how do you know what skunk tastes like? <laughs> have you eaten skunk? <laughs> Just smelled them. I was assuming. <laughs> oh, okay. No, they have a musky flavor to oh, them. Oh, I'm sure. So, yeah, Fucking yeah. gross animal. Yeah. Imagine how much testosterone those little fucks yeah, must have. Yeah, they're coursing through so their veins. They're so ferocious. So you, uh, you ate his drumstick and that's it? The rest and, of uh, it? And, yeah, and the organs for the virus. Vitamins, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you try to use the rest of them for bait for something? No, I was just saving it for eating later. You know, mm. like I put it up on Worst my case storage scenario. cache. Yeah, when a dark day, I'll eat yeah. that. Yeah, and you run out of moose if <laughs> yeah. it really does go a year. Yeah, exactly. So when you didn't have the fat, like what was it like just eating? Did you have some fat? Left oh yeah, over? you still have a lot. I mean, to be fair, there's still a lot of fat on a moose. Like mm-hmm. there was uh, all the ribs. You know, the mm-hmm. the butt, the rump has a big old thick layer of fat you got the it's a weird the, fat, ma- the right? bone marrow is really, oh okay yeah that's all straight fat the brain you know there's like mm-hmm. there's a lot of fat still but that was kind of the easiest fat you know mm. anyway yeah, yeah yeah it was it was sad but not the end of the world it was only it was mostly depressing in that i figured somebody else got something big and once I lose that, now I'm at a disadvantage again. So then it put the fire under me to keep getting more, you know? <laughs> so you killed him with an axe, but you shot him with a bow first, right? Yeah, the Wolverine, yeah. So yeah. what did you, 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 like, you pinned him to the ground with the bow? Yeah, it was, he had come the night before, and I had seen him behind a bush, and, I, you know, I had my flashlight, and I could see his eyes. And I thought about firing an arrow in there, but I was like, oh, surely he's going to come out, and I'll get a better shot. But he must, he, like, Closed his eyes, snuck away, and I never saw him leave from behind the bush. I was like, dang it, I missed my opportunity. The next day, I saw him again the next night coming down through some shrubs. And uh, I had, like, set up some warning systems around, like, cans on string. So I'd hear him coming, and I heard, like, clank, clank, clank. I was like, oh, gosh, I got my bow, went outside. Sure enough, he, like, scurried down this hill, went behind a bush, and I just sent my arrow in there this time. Through and the bush. Through the bush. And so I don't know what it did going through there, but it deflected, deflected off of some branches. Yeah, pinned his leg, his back leg to the ground. The, like, top of the arrow was in the branches. And it just gave me enough time to grab my axe, run over there. He was just like, <laughs> you know. Is that him? No, no, no. No, yeah. That's it's just a video one. one. Those little guys. Dude, you must have been so fucking terrified to I run was, up that it, thing, it even with an axe. It happened so fast. It, and yeah, it wasn't a cool, like, you picture me, like, killing it, like, really. Rah, but it was like. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> ah! Yeah, dude. No, it was, it was Did intense. you film all that, too? 
Yeah, but it was at night, so it's kind of grainy. You know. So like, that's the crazy thing, right? Like you don't, you're not just doing something, but yeah, you're also self-filming. Trying to film, so you gotta like. Yeah. And they, do they give you tips on how to film? Yeah, they give you film tips before you go out. I actually found like this wasn't everyone's experience, but I found it was like kind of nice to have a camera because when I'd been like fur trapping in Siberia, it's like you're just alone, alone, and everything you do just feels like. Nobody's ever going to know about it. You know, right. like, you do all these cool things, and you no one yeah. <laughs> I remember, like, I'd been out there for a few weeks, and I came into, like, a beautiful woods in Siberia, you know, and I remember being like, wow. And then I was like, oh, weird. That was the first time I've spoken out loud in, like, three weeks. You know, so oh, I was wow. like. So it's just saying wow? Yeah, well, I, like, caught my attention. Oh, that was my voice, you know, like, and then, of course, your mind's really active, but it's just all in your head. But on the show with the cameras, you know, it's like you're constantly like talking about stuff. And oh, wow. <laughs> so, so it kind of made me feel like I wasn't quiet as alone. So when they tell you and they give you the camera equipment and tell you to go out and film yourself, how much battery life do you have? Uh, well, you get this big like car battery size pack that you can like recharge your batteries with. Uh -huh. And then they'll occasionally come on like med checks to to see, make sure you're not too skinny or something like that. Really? Yeah, yeah. How often do they check on you? It varies. Sometime around 10 days-ish or something. So every you know, 10 like days, roughly. they're like, oh, he's dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> yeah you have they had people die out there? <laughs> not yet, no. Fortunately. Do they, they, do they give you a bell to ring or something? To you, have a them... thing, you have a thing that you like, it's the thing you would give up with, like if you were ready to tap out a what red is it, button. Like a Garmin or something? Yeah, it's like a, you can send texts on it. Oh, okay. And then uh, like so you text reach, them every yeah. morning and night and basically say, I'm okay. Oh, and, wow. And so they know you're okay. If you don't do that, then they'll come probably see if you're alive still. Oh, wow. But, wow. And so what, are they? I would imagine their show is entirely dependent not just on you succeeding but documenting everything. Yeah, they very I think that I mean they were very clear with us like the you guys have to document everything. We need 8 hours of footage a day minimum, you know like Wow. And when you're out there, do you have a solar charger? No, no so but you know it probably wasn't a lot of sun up there that time of year. Mm. But that big battery block, and then you got a lot of little packs, battery packs, mm -hmm. and it, it's kind of what restricts where you're, you know, where you live is that you, you have a hundred pounds. Of, yeah, yeah, <laughs> gear. So, so when you're swinging an axe at this Wolverine, you, you got all that on film. <laughs> yeah, it's like even the shot. Yeah, well, you can see me. It's like I, I'd like because I heard him coming. I heard him coming. And because my my cans were a long ways away, you know, right. like a ways away, and it's like clank clank. I was like, oh, so geez, so I just tripod, ran out with my tripod, out. my camera, set oh it on. Oh my god! Because he had a trail, so I knew generally where he'd be coming. So I just set my camera up, put it in that direction, and that's kind of where he came. So that would be a giant distraction. Like, yeah, <laughs> that would make it so. Because I know that uh, I missed the first moose because because there was a different moose that I had shot at that I totally missed, but. Uh, big giant dinosaur of a moose it was so cool to see but uh i grabbed my bow and arrow and my camera and ran out there set the camera up took my shot and i was like oh i didn't grab my quiver and so my first shot i misjudged the distance and dropped the arrow between his legs i was like oh Oh, no, I only grabbed one arrow because I grabbed my stupid camera. Oh. <laughs> so, Did he run when he when the arrow came near him? No, I, like, dropped between his legs. He looked around. I totally would have had time for another oh. shot. It was a real kick in the pants. So oh, then I, my God. He kind of 
took out trotted off and i was just like man did he know you were there was he aware of you not too aware like i took a shot he like heard it knew something was up what had happened is i had set again like those cans up as a warning system and i heard him like in the morning hit the cans and i figured that would just warn me one you know like if, if something hit the cans it would wake me up and i could go out and try to hunt it what actually happened is he went through the cans, scared himself and ran like perfectly in my direction and turned around and looked at the cans like broadside to me like i came out and it was just a perfect shot but it was 40 i paced it off afterwards 43 yards and he was such a big animal that i thought he was closer so i put him at like 30 yards uh. guessing you know and i missed my first and only shot <laughs> i was like ah did you call him in yeah i've been calling moose like every day i would just pick berries just, call moose like, hey. yeah, yeah good one <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, that yeah that's very good i think Never, they'd come yeah <laughs> get it in your lungs i learned that from my friend mike hawkridge yeah <laughs> um now when you when you're doing that you're you're waiting a long time right you're calling them and then you're just yeah, sitting around would, waiting literally it was like i'd find a good berry patch just sit there and eat berries and call and eat berries and call and uh yeah and that's all i would do and honest and i think both the bull moose that i saw came into that calling because it would always but it would take them a long time so i'd like call all evening and then they would usually come in in the morning which was interesting so Crazy. it's not like they they come from miles but yeah they must have come from a long ways away they come like huffing and puffing all in the rut Whoa. and stuff like yeah <laughs> it's so cool i could just hear them going to, yeah yeah they say they're so vocal yeah Whoa. And it's More. nice you can mimic their voice with your voice. That's yeah, the nice it's, thing about moose. Yeah, yeah. Right, it's not like an elk where you right. need a tube. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can actually make the, the horny cow moose <laughs> yeah, noise. Yeah, exactly. Just um, got to get into it. So were you in the, was it in the rut? Yeah. Oh, fall. that's lucky. So I was, was that yeah, on by design for yeah, them? Yeah, they want to give you a chance of getting yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. Now, so. you shot that moose. How did the other people survive? And how many people made it? To a the... lot of people just through toughness, you know, like just starving out, like dude, you know, that you were pointing wow. out. Yes, just, just catching a few rabbits here and there, you know, like uh, fishing is a big thing, you know, like. Uh, but yeah, it was it was nice to have the moose for oh, sure. I can only <laughs> imagine. I knew I had to. It was like I don't. I'm not gonna have a chance if it was starving. I would have been out of there so fast. Did yeah. anybody else get a moose? No, uh, uh I wow. assumed someone would, but it's, I mean, again, with a recurve, it's pretty hard. Plus you haven't ever scouted your territory, so you don't right. know how things are going. Uh, because I was so focused on getting one right from the bat, like right when they dropped my helicopter off, it was like, I went out and scouted like where might moose come in. Did and, you bring binos? No, you can't take those, but you I can't just, take those. I just put my shelter where the wind would always be blowing my scent out to the sea, you know, out to the, mm. and taking into account all those little things you know like uh yeah building my shelter away from where moose might walk by so that mm -hmm. i wouldn't blow up a spot you know all that kind of stuff so how did the other people what did they eat yeah it was did i mean a lot of to them after it was like someone made it to 77 days before they quit right? 72 or three so they yeah. let you go an extra four days yeah because a storm came in and they couldn't get out there did you know, know about it did no you... i had no idea oh wow just, plugging along out there. So who the fuck made it to 72 days? Uh, it was a girl named Wonia, and she 
and another guy named Nathan made it. You know, this, his shelter burnt down, and that was kind of the end for him. Both of them made it right up to 71, 72 days. His shelter burned down. He said, "I'm not making another one." I yeah, quit. I mean, it was cold at that point. It'd be pretty wow, tough. there's a girl. Yeah, look at her. This is her. Uh, she caught something with her bow, like a little <laughs> game pheasant or something. Oh, and she's sad. She's happy, I think. Happy oh. to finally eat. Yeah, then she cooks it up. Here. Wow. She's chopping it all up. Mm. Yeah, and so yeah, they would eat, you know, as everybody I did. How but red that is. You just eat everything. How crazy how red that bird's meat is. That's nuts. That looks yeah. like a, a like a beef. <laughs> you know what I mean? It looks like right, a, right. A, red meat. A venison bird, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Look at her, so happy. Oh, I'm so happy. So she almost was, uh, she almost made it. Yeah, she did really well, but. uh some fucking yeah. ballsy people to do this. Yeah, it's pretty intense. You know, like good for everybody that tried because you do get like. Yeah, but they don't get shit. Intense. They get zero. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, get yeah. ungots. You get 72 days of starving, Fred, lady. I know. It's rough. <laughs> and one guy walks away with a half a mil. Yeah. That's crazy. All or nothing. How much yes. moose did you have left at the end of the show? A couple hundred pounds. You know, like wow. I, I still had a lot. Yeah, you were was, good to go. Yeah. <laughs> How many pounds of it were you eating in a day? As I'd, much as I could, I was just so packed. hungry. Uh, plus, right? I was having fish, so I would have fish for lunch and then more breakfast and like dinner. I would eat moose, and I was just—I basically I told myself, "Well, I can't quit until I finish this whole moose. <laughs> 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 Let me eat it as fast as I can." <laughs> so, <laughs> how were you catching fish? You, you brought a, 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 a rod. I caught, pole? Yeah, I caught most of them on. It's just a birch pole. I'd rigged up a little thing that made me so I could cast, and I could cast a long ways out, and it was the so, funnest fishing I've ever done. You just, could cast. Yeah, I made with like a spool that I'd brought for my fishing line or whatever. And what did you use for like the eyes for the the, the, uh, the wire? Rod? A snare wire, wire oh, was wow. one of the things I brought. So I'd made like rigged up a little fishing pole, and it worked great. It was real similar to what they use in Soviet like old Soviet reels. So I had oh. been it gave me the idea for making that style of a reel because they're just so basic, you know. Right. And, right. Uh, and it takes a little practice to use. But anyway, I rigged it up. It worked great. I could cast way out there. It took me a long time to catch my first fish a few weeks. But after I did, I kind of like dialed them in and it was such what were fun you, fishing. Were you using bait or lures? I made a lure, like a little spinner I made. And, that, really? and, and I caught a fish, but it snapped my line. But the, uh, and then I tried moose meat and they loved it. So oh. I would just be casting in on catching them all on moose meat or like fish belly. You know, you catch a fish mm -hmm. and cut out a uh, a strip, a strip, and they loved that. And it was mostly lake trout, but some of them were, you know, over twenty pounds. And you got this homemade rod, and you're like oh, reeling wow. it in, shaking your hands out. It was so twenty fun. pound lake trout. That's insane. <laughs> With a homemade lure and a homemade what, you, what kind of string a, are you? That's using? a different thing. That's paracord. Oh, okay. I was, I was, uh, yeah, just testing out making like a fly line out of paracord there. And did you have that a leader just, as well? Like using the paracord and like braiding it down. That's oh. not the that's not the thing I used on the show. That was just experimenting. Now, when you were using the line, what kind of line did you bring? Fishing? Yeah, line? that was another item like I brought. Braided? So I, yeah, line? no, you can only bring monofilament oh, and okay. barbless hooks, so it made everything what? that much more intense. Yeah. Why only? Why barbless hooks? I think it's hooks? Canadian re regulations or something. <laughs> yeah. <I can't. laughs> Silly people. That's, there was never going to be any release in that situation. Yeah, anyway. that's, why, that's why it's so confusing. It's so weird, why yeah, would they yeah. have barbless hooks? Yeah. Uh, but but you, they allowed you to. What pound test did you use? Twenty. 
Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. So you like at the limit with yeah, that, yeah, the lake yeah. trout, yeah, and you got no drag, so you're yeah, just kind of going like, on feel. Yeah, it was very wow. Did very you try fun. to drag it out like a fly rod, where you let it slip yeah, through your let fingers it pull a little away, bit? Reel it in, let it pull away until it finally wears itself out. Which you and know, are you take... stripping the line in, or you do you have? Something I had my little can... reel, so I could like put my thumb on it and, on, and, on my spool, and uh-huh. it would like drag, make oh, drag, and wow. then I could reel it. And, did you uh, reel with a finger? Yeah. Like, oh, wow. I made, like, when it was cold, I made this rabbit fur glove that where just the tip of my finger stuck out. So I could, oh, wow. Like, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I got to say that. that so was how many fish did you fish wind up catching? There's 13, but they're all oh. big, you know? Like, they're all... So you can eat them for a couple of days. Yeah, like from between probably eight and twenty something pounds. Did you eat the fish guts at all? Did you? Uh, yeah, you like cook... the, I eat the stomachs mm-hmm. and uh, the head was the best part. Like when you're out there, you know, starving and you need fat, it's like you almost a, a lot of times I would eat the fish and kind of put the main meat part of it away for later. But you mm-hmm. eat the belly, the head, all Did the fatty parts. Did you make like parts. a soup with the head? Yeah, I made all my fish into soup. And then I would fry all my moose, basically. Oh, no mm-hmm. kidding. All your fish you made into soup. Yeah, just to get all the nutrients out of the bones. Did you find any edible vegetables or anything? Lots of there berries, well? like up oh. north. So it's yeah. awesome as far as berries go. Although my spot didn't really have many, but I found patches, you know, like. Well, where you find berries, nice. you find bears, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you, did you find any root vegetables or any like wild onions? Not much. There's or? a there's not a lot of that up there. There's lichen, so I boiled reindeer lichen. Oh, that's and what does I that taste like? Real bland. It's real kind of acidic. It's not great for eating, but I would mix it with my moose meat just to get carbs, like some kind oh, of carbs maybe. That's what all the mm-hmm. caribou eat, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They. That's weird. The weird. It's weird what you can turn into an animal. You know, <laughs> just, yeah. just take a pile lichen. of lichen and it turns into a reindeer. It's weird stuff too, right? Yeah. So that was, that was and you a, have no seasoning or anything, right? Right. But man, I got to tell you, I didn't, you, you know, you know elk too, but man, yeah. I didn't miss it at all. It was so good from the first bite to the last. Oh, just moose. Like, man, mm. Moose is so Every delicious. Every time you're just like, mmm. Just moose over fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totally. Did no you complaints. eat some of it raw? Like yeah, the liver like or anything the liver. Like that? Uh-huh. You that raw? Yeah, yeah, just for the extra boost. Uh, Did you have, a, you had a knife? Obviously. A Leatherman, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, just a Leatherman. Just a Leatherman. So you, you butchered the moose with a Leatherman? Yeah, yeah. Holy <laughs> shit. How long did that take? Oh, I think I got the moose finally at like noon, and then I think I was done cutting it up and hauling it by like 10 o'clock that night. So, and do you have a sharpening stone or anything? Yeah, just a rock, you know. Oh, just a regular yeah, rock that yeah, you yeah. find laying around? You sharpened yeah, on that? Yeah, find oh, one okay. that looks like it might work well. Oh, and, did it work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're wow. Good. Was, That's so crazy to rely on a Leatherman, that little tiny-ass yeah, blade. Yeah, but you got only so many uh, items, right. you know, and I wanted the wire cutters. I wanted the little saw for crafting stuff. You know, so I figured if my worst problem is that I have a small knife to cut up a big game, I'll be pretty happy. Was there anything that you wished you brought that you didn't? Yeah, I would have taken probably a gill net instead of my saw. I took a saw, and I almost never used it, but oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you thought you were going to use it for trees? or Yeah, I just thought for pro- it'd just be a calorie saver rather than using your axe. But mm-hmm. it was kind of a, r- a risk I took, and it ended up not being So that was worthwhile. only one. That's pretty good, though. Yeah, one yeah. Thing. Yeah, yeah. It was nice for building. I built like a 12-foot-tall cache where I stored all my moose meat and stuff. Mm. It was nice for, nice for that. So yeah. what other objects did you bring? You brought a tarp. You brought, brought a fishing a, line. A fishing line. Oh, oh there, there it go. is. Right there. Oh, fucking Jamie's the best. Ferro rod. What is a ferro rod? That's like that sparker. You know, you scrape it and it makes oh, sparks. Oh, so that's how you started your fires? Yeah, yeah. Mmm. 
Fishing line and hooks, all barbless. How many hooks did you have? 25. Ooh, that's a scary. nice chunk. But yeah, no, they go Still fast. 77 <laughs> days. They go fast. Hooks. That was down to my last ones. A bow and you're allowed nine arrows only. Yeah. Did you think about constructing arrows? Yeah, I thought, and I was thinking, uh, by the time I got the moose, you know, it was early enough that I didn't really need to make right. arrows. But I was thinking, if I want to shoot more at squirrels, I better make some arrows. Yeah. Trapping wire. What is that? That's just, just. Thin gauge wire, like mm -hmm. twenty gauge wire. And would you use that for for, uh, like for snare and rabbits? Snares. I put hundreds of snares out, and then I built, you know, for building my fishing pole stuff mm. like that. Mm -hmm. And did that in a sleeping bag. Yeah, a sleeping bag. Brought a fucking yeah, warm my, sleeping bag. Minus right? forty, and then you heat up rocks, yeah. throw it in there with oh, you. Oh, you know, okay. Stuff, yeah. yeah, and then a multi tool. Crazy, you didn't bring a knife, just a multi tool. <laughs> wow. I guess that makes sense though. If I was looking at that list, like, what would I take off for a knife? Yeah, it's kind of redundant. If you didn't redundant. have the saw, what would you take if you didn't have the saw? Probably would have taken a gill net. I ended up making oh, a gill right. net out of the paracord, but I think that would have been useful. Wow, that's crazy. You only get 10 things. Yeah, it puts the pressure on for oh, sure. Oh, my goodness, it does. <laughs> <laughs> so once you shot the moose and you yeah. knew you had all that meat... Right. And then what did you do with your time after that? Oh, I kept busy. I just always assumed somebody else was going to get something. So I was just like, you know, I spent a lot of time of right after getting the moose, like preserving it, smoking it, trying mm. to store it where it would be safe. Because everywhere you put it, something's getting it. You hang it in trees and the birds are pecking it. You know, you, everybody's going for did it. Did you have a tarp that you could cover it with? Well, or? I only had the tarp for my shelter and I didn't, that would have been, that was an item I also thought. Had mm. I known I was going to get something big, it would have been nice to have a tarp. But yeah, uh, yeah, it it was a lot of work protecting my meat, but then also just continued fishing, continued, you know, all that kind of stuff. And after you got the wolverine out of the picture, was there any other? Animals I thought, man, like after that? I got the wolverine, I was so happy. I was like, yes, I just got to eat <laughs> and live. And then, like two days later, I was sitting there frying up some meat and. And I've never, I haven't been able to find on the internet a good Wolverine sound, but another one came. Another out? one came, and I just hear it out in the woods, ah. and it gets. No, it's like a witch in the woods. It's, the best. <laughs> it's just like, nah! and I was like, oh, did I? I was like, just praying, like, oh, I think I made that up, right? <laughs> I didn't really hear that. Like a dream. Uh, yeah, but sure enough, he started coming around. But we we're only, we have regulations, right? So you can't kill. You can only kill one Wolverine, so I was like, oh, really? yeah. So the, then I was just on defense mode, trying to set up like, I'd like set up all these cans so that when I walked through with the, you know, it clank, and then I'd, I'd wake yeah, up. Yeah, I'd and be like, chase fuck, it away. Shut that camera off. <laughs> totally. We're going commando on this yeah. fucking Wolverine. <laughs> it's tempting for sure. Oh, 100. Yeah. percent I mean, I, I just like that's survival. It is. Like, it's like, this isn't just hunting. Yeah, it is. You know, survival. you're trying to survive. Man, fuck talk about intense Wolverines. hunting, Joe. I can imagine. When I hit the moose, you know, like, it's like unlike you know anything I've ever it, experienced, right? you're like, oh my gosh, that was a good shot. And you're just like, oh. You knew you had But him. then you got to wait, you know, you got to wait like an hour to go look because you don't want to spook it. It's such a big animal. Like, how heavy were your arrows? Um, let's see, I had 180 point grain. Broadhead. So heavy broadhead. I mean, 125 grain broadheads okay. and 80 grain insert. Oh, so okay. pretty heavy up front. Heavy FOC. Yeah, yeah. And then like and then all the shaft. What kind of shaft? Full length shaft. They carbon. Were, like what do you use? Yeah, carbon wood look like mm -hmm. shafts. Uh, feathers. Yep, with feathers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah, did the job. It sunk all the way in to the moose entirely and didn't come oh, out wow. the other side because it was a quartering towards me shot. Oh wow! And it sunk the feathers in the back of the 
arrow touched its back hip. And oh, just, so you must have shot it perfect between the ribs. Huh? Yeah, just yeah, it was a, it was great. But it, uh, I only hit one lung, so it was a long. You know, I, of course, I was tracking it, lost track of the mm -hmm. blood. Uh, it was like a big ordeal tracking that. And thing then you got to worry about something finding it before you. Yeah, yeah. What would you do? I was if mostly a bear found it. <laughs> Hunt the bear, I guess. Oh. <laughs> uh, I mean, I was expecting a bear to show up and never did. But you never saw any bears yeah, while think, you were there. No, my spot must not have had bear. Like I was expecting one to come for the kill. Maybe they hibernated, you know, right around that time. Mm. So it was like right on the edge of when they would go in. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just got away with that one. Or you know, I actually, to be honest, was kind of hoping one would come because what so did much you eat fat. first? The, when you got the, uh, the, the heart down. The I heart. love the heart, the man. Delicious. Yeah, with that ring of fat around <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. So good. And how did you cook that? Just, Just slice fried it? it, sliced it, and put fried it on it. sticks or something. Over I had fire? one of my items was a frying pan. Oh, that's so, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's nice. Man, it was so good. Did you use the fat as like oil? So yeah. you like mm -hmm, cooked mm -hmm. the fat first? Cooked it first. I rendered a bunch of fat into like mm. you know, oil. Wow, you must have felt like a fucking caveman, like a successful <laughs> caveman. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting to get into that mindset because you're just, uh, ever, you know, you're just living. You feel really connected to everything. You feel like out there carving steaks with a leather man. Yeah, that is so crazy. <laughs> and did you That's use the awesome. axe to chop up the bones to make marrow? Yeah, just to break the open the out? bones with rocks on a rock, like, mm -hmm. and then pick out the marrow, and that was that's raw, so good. Raw or did you raw. cook it? Oh, yeah, okay. cold and raw, so wow. good, creamy and delicious. Oh, so healthy for you too when you're yeah. out there, right? Yeah, it's exactly what you're craving. Yeah. Wow. And so when you had that stashed in your cache, a must a, a lot of pressure must have been relieved though, right? Oh yeah, it felt like a just a demon lifted off my back it's just like you know the whole time you're like you're gonna starve you're gonna starve you're gonna starve <laughs> you're oh. just like trying to fight this thing off and then uh man yeah when you shot that and it it was like three hours i tracked it and i had lost its so i was lost its blood trail and i lost its foot trails because it was like hard ground and i was just like no i cannot lose this moose and then uh but i was like well i hit it in the lung i'm sure so i think it's gonna stay downhill so i just followed the shoreline Sure enough, I came up on it, but it was like sitting there alert and alive. Still alive with yeah. one line. and I was wow. just like, oh, man, I ducked down. I was like debating, like, can I sneak in and try to get another shot? But no way. And that's like, so I just waited it out, and it was a long three hours where I would just be like sitting there, and it would stand up, and you're just like, no, 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 no. And then it would fall down, and you're like, yes. And then oh it like really dragged it out. But when it finally died, yeah, walked over there, and I'd. Yeah, talk about a weight lifted off your shoulders. You Did know? people like, give you a hard time for that? For like, oh yeah, I got some good internet hate, but honestly, it's people. I can understand it. Like it sounds good. Like why don't you go finish it off with an arrow? It could run away. Of course, it you could can't run even away. Let it know that you're yeah, there. Yeah, you got to yeah. let it be calm and just like go away. Kind How of. close were you when you saw it standing up? How many yards? Fifty yards, probably. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you really don't want to send more than fifty. Yeah. All you're gonna do is poke it, and then it's gonna know it's being attacked and get up and run away. Right. And, and I understand the people that were mad just having bow hunted. So fair enough. Yeah, but, and also it's survival. It's not yeah, just you can't make any risks. Yeah. 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 This is that's a crazy situation, man. Yeah, it was. God, the this the anticipation. Not that's even more crazy, right? Like you hit it, but it's still alive. Yeah. And then you gotta, you're hoping you yeah. can get that moose? <laughs> I've lost, I don't know if you've ever done that, where I've hit a deer, you know, you wait 45 minutes and then you 
go out there and then you see it stand up in front of you and run off. Mm-hmm. And at that point, it's almost impossible to find because it's already bled out mostly and mm-hmm. and I've lost you and that the way. And adrenaline kicks yeah, in. Yeah, and it can run for miles. So. It's crazy. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're built for survival, man. Yeah. They're built to get away from wolves. It's amazing what they can do, too. Yeah. yeah. So that was in my mind for sure. Like, do you have the antlers? <laughs> Unfortunately, no. Maybe somebody in Canada is listening to this. I was I was flying out on the airplane, and the lady wouldn't let me bring them on the plane because I had them like improperly wrapped, I guess. Oh, and then no. my plane was just about to leave from Northwest Territories, and she just left. I just it had there? to set it in front of the airport, and I was like, Ah, wow, <laughs> what a bummer! It was a super bummer. <laughs> Couldn't I didn't have any of the locals number to like, Hey, could you come grab this for uh, me? It was just, uh, that would be something you'd want on your wall for the oh, rest yeah, of your life. Absolutely. That was a was sad Was it a big one. moose? No, it was like a young moose, which great mm-hmm. eating, but it yeah. wasn't huge. But it was but a the bull. first one was a monster. Yeah, the first one was a monster. And what a, that was, I mean, have you seen moose like up close? No, I shot one. Oh, yeah. you did? Yeah. But I shot a young one. Yeah, but it aren't but like cool animals it was like to the, see. Sh- the young one that I shot was like a forky. It was like 900 pounds. Yeah, that's about what I got. Three yeah. points on it. Like yeah. Just a, and, uh. But yeah, the they're just such cool animals to see. They're so they're big. They're so big. Yeah, so I big. I was with uh, my friend Ben O'Brien and he shot one that was huge. And <laughs> when it was walking across the road, it walked across this dirt road, mm-hmm. it looked like a dinosaur. That's like exactly what I thought. Even didn't the, look real. Even the one I missed, like I can't even say I was upset because I was just like that was so awesome to see. You know, like, man, that was really like seeing a dinosaur. You don't realize how big they are no. until you're in their presence. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I guess that's probably like all animals that are enormous in Africa, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, I mean, you see them at on the TV, zoo, and the they're zoo. not impressive for some reason. Yeah, they don't have their, like, wild energy in the forest. Like, And yeah. you know where they are. It's yeah. like, look at the map. Oh, there's the <laughs> yeah, giraffe yeah, cage. Let's go check out those motherfuckers. You know, yeah, like, not as interesting. No, it's not like you'd g- turn a bend, you know, go around a corner and you like see one you're like Mm -hmm. what yeah (laughs) just out there living wild yeah it's so indescribable just seeing something even if you just stumble into any kind of animal that's like Mm -hmm. in the wild Mm -hmm. and you realize like this is how this thing species has been existing for hundreds of thousands of years just how when we were when we were doing that uh project trying to get you know guys from to stop drinking out in siberia we had like a little hunting cabin we were based at and uh i woke up one morning and we had a stupid dog that just barked at everything and i just hear the dog going and it's like oh it's probably a squirrel so i got up and uh uh, I didn't get up. I let it bark. And then my buddy got up like an hour later and went out to brush his teeth and came running back in. He's like, dude, there's a bear out there. So I went up, jumped up, looked out, and a bear had killed a moose like less than 100. We could have watched the whole thing if I would have just woke up right away. But it wow. came, killed a moose right next to our cabin. Uh, when we came out, it saw us and took off running. And we were like, oh, man. So we walked over there like, geez, a whole warm moose still here. So we like cut it up. Hauled it back to our camp. Stole it from the bear. Stole it from the bear. Did the bear come back? Oh yeah, like three days later, like we were in the in our shelter, and uh, sure enough, that one dog just came running in and hide, hid under the bed, and <laughs> <laughs> the other one started like out there barking like rawr, rawr, rawr. and so uh, we grabbed the SKS and go out there, and uh, it felt like like have you ever seen the Ghost in the Darkness? Yeah, <laughs> that's what it reminded me of because it's like all this tall brush, and you just hear like. You know, the dog's barking over here. And so I'm like, oh, man, the bear's over here. And then over here you hear a, <laughs> and you're like, oh, crap, it's over here. You know, like, wow. and then all of a sudden we're like, man, I'm, we're kind of in this tall brush. like better. But 
I like was like, well, I got my camera. So I handed the gun to this dude. And he's just like, I figured he knew what he was doing. <laughs> was a bad choice. But I got my camera. He got the gun. And then, again, we're looking at where the dog's barking. And the bear, like, pops up right here and stands up. And it's like, Whoo! And dude just took off running with the gun. <laughs> and I had left recently. Left with camera? Yeah, I left me with my camera. I had recently had a knee surgery. It's like I wasn't running out of there. So I just, like, stood there and oh, ducked back in the brush. Oh, God. And then dude comes back like a full, you know, almost a minute later. I was just like there. Give like, me I'm that not gonna gun, run. And he's, he's like, my knees are shaking. I was like, dude, you got a gun. Don't run. And just as I said that, it stood up again. And he's like, dude, 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 dude. Sounded like Vietnam. And it was just like, bah, 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 bah. He shot the bear? <laughs> and he shot it. And, so did yeah, you guys want to be eating it? Well, we. Uh, I was with, they were all Avenki people. And uh, they we ate the heart, but they don't eat it. They have like a whole ritual when they shoot a bear. It's like the because they're so wormy up there, uh, you can eat them in like a serious situation. But what they would like, they like cut the head off and put a, the eyes under a rock because they didn't want the like spirit to see where where who got it. So they oh, like and then Jesus. they they put the uh, other parts of it in the river so that it floats down to like a different village so that. The bear thinks those are the people that got it. So it's all these weird, weird wow. little things. But in general, because there's so so much trichinosis and stuff, they don't eat the brown bear up there. But mm. although you can if you boil the heck out of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah or just mm-hmm. cook it over 160, right? I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My friend I've Steve eaten, we got, got a... trichinosis. Oh, did he? Steve Ranella. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ranella. Yeah. yeah, he got it. He saw the whole crew got it. And they even got t shirts. Isn't, isn't that made. mild? <laughs> Trichinosis crew, yeah. <laughs> isn't it? Is it? Did they get rid of it? I imagine it just Isn't goes it? away, but it's always in your body. So if right. somebody ate him someday, they uh, would get yeah. trichinosis. Oh, interesting. Yeah, good to know. But he said it's. It felt like his muscles, like you could feel the little, the little parasite worms yeah. burrowing oh, into your muscle. So it's everything is in oh. pain. Yeah, gnarly. your whole body, and then eventually it just goes away. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, at least it goes away. These fucking worms just living in your body. (laughs) You get used to it. It's creepy, man, because when you – I haven't experienced this, but I know that some people who eat bear have cut open the bear and seen the worms literally crawling underneath the skin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, you could see them even on the bear – that bear. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, you'd see them in there. They're like – yeah, it's pretty gnarly. So you guys ate the heart only? That's it? Just the heart. To me, it did seem a little bit of a waste, but – yeah, that's just I was kind of doing when in Rome, you know. Like, yeah, that's one of those mm-hmm. things, right? Like if you insult them and right, say, you, right. "You fuckers they don't even know what you're doing." Tradition yeah. of things they were doing. So, it's like, and you're out there making bear barbecue. Yeah, <laughs> 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 you're gonna bring the ghosts. <laughs> yeah, totally. What? That's this guy. How big was the bear? It was a brown bear, big old brown bear. I mean, it wasn't an old one. It was probably. I, it's hard to say, but it was Eight a full foot, grown. Nine foot. And, yeah, somewhere I put up. A picture of the hide but anyway yeah yeah it's a big bear i don't i don't actually know what i did with that video which is very sad but no. <laughs> so you guys was, you ate the moose you ate the heart of the bear and yeah. how do they do that they just slice that up yeah just sliced it up fried it up and then uh yeah there's a lot of bear stories out there you're constantly i can only imagine yeah, constantly interacting with them when you're always in the woods like that it's well like, and happy people the guy was talking about losing his uh, favorite hunting dog to bears. yeah yeah that yeah. happens that the way they do dogs over there the Avenki are interesting because they have a different dog for every type of animal so if you, you got like a dog that's really good at treeing birds and you got a dog that's good at going after bears and you got a dog that's mm. good at sable you know like you just keep raising dogs until you get one that likes to go after what you need it to go Where for. Where are they getting their dogs from? 
they're just like this Avenki breed of dog. I don't know, just what random. They look like just they're mutts. like either white mutts, yeah, mutt looking things. They're not very big, but they're not small. They're just average fire er, coyote sized dogs, and mm. they uh, uh, yeah, usually white or red or spotted. And what do they feed them? Just mush, like this, like oat and mush stuff they buy in the village. It's not very good food, but then the the uh, dogs like fend, try to fend for themselves and stuff, catch oh, mice wow. and things. Like, it's like a they're like not an envy. Well, the dogs seem pretty happy, but they also like you know you go out in super cold weather, and this dog will have melted a big hole in the snow, and it gets snowed on top of it, and it like pops up out of this hole. That's how they're sleeping. <laughs> yeah, they just sleep outside. They're wow. tough dogs. Yeah, yeah. So they're uh, yeah. And they're eating just mush. Yeah, they're just eating mush and like certain scraps and stuff. But yeah, not an enviable diet they have. They're usually kind of thin, but. But they don't yeah. know any better. Yeah, they don't know any better. They like it. They seem happy wow. running around free like that. Yeah. What incredible animal yeah. dogs are. Yeah, super cool. It's just so. What a strange. What is this? Oh, there's gym? one. There's that's one. Petya. One. That's one. He's such a cool guy. But uh, that's him and his reindeer. If I saw like, if I didn't know any better, I saw a dude with a reindeer with a saddle. <laughs> I'm like, get the fuck out of here. That's not real. <laughs> you can't just ride a reindeer around because yeah. the reindeer's not that big. Like, no. That looks like about a 200-pound reindeer, right? Yeah, they're not, but they're pretty strong. <laughs> they're like, they'll pull you and like, but it is border, like a guy like me or whatever. It's starting to get borderline, but. How much do you weigh? Like 175. And like so that. if you're on a 200-pound reindeer. You just got to get a stronger like, one, yeah. yeah. And there's they do it. The strongest ones will carry well over 200-pound person. How but. big are the big ones? Big, Ooh, I don't big, know the weight, but you, like uh, a three hundred pound. No, I don't think caribou they get that is really big. big. Yeah, yeah, not the domestic ones are probably a little smaller, and uh, I don't think they get that heavy. Maybe two hundred fifty, but the uh, uh, but they're strong, man. You like get on like there's be some cool times where you're just out in the middle of this field in Siberia. You know, you know the swamps have that like tuft of grass that's like mm-hmm. you walk on, and mm. they. Uh, you know, you're carrying your reindeer along, you know, he's like in tow maybe. And then you get to this big flowing river with ice and everything and jump on your reindeer and just hope he can make it through without stumbling. And you're like wow. on the back of this reindeer, like feels life or death if you fall in this river, you know, and you just hang on to him and trust that he won't stumble, you know, and make it across this river, pull up on the other shore. And you're just like, do you ever have Man. dreams of that life? Like after you've done it, like do you ever? It's always present with me, you know. Like I always think about it. Like I was saying, it's like it's interesting to live in a modern world and see the things that pull my suck my time and how, uh, in some way, it's uh, very unsatisfying. You know, the internet, the, the uh, social media thing, but yeah. it's so engrossing. And I miss it. And then and those are the reasons why. Like always think, man, how could you? How could you? get this you know a little more uh in our modern society or how you know that's what those, that was like the initial catalyst for why i thought about i wonder if something like that would be able to be revived you know now after yeah. you've had all these wild experiences do you long for more do you, is it something like where you go live a normal life for a while and you start getting the itch yeah definitely it's like uh, again, it's like that thing where it's like, if it was my friends and family living that life, I would just choose it. But it, because it's not like, it's hard to like feel fully committed into it. Cause you know, mm-hmm. you got your kids and all your, your wife and they're all over there and none of your family can see them. You know, it's just such right. a different separate life. Uh, 
that said, it, I do know that it's very satisfying, you know, on a deep level. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting to, but I, yeah, I try to incorporate as many lessons as I can, you know, and like anything that keeps you connected to, you know, how we were designed to be just, you just connected to the land, to nature. I love all those things. So, so what do you do now for a living? Uh, well, we're going to, I, what I generally do for a living is renovate crappy houses and then flip them, rent them out usually. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I'm going to start doing, trying to do some survival schools up, you know, in Idaho and the wilderness, oh, take some okay. people out there. And then, so maybe you get maybe connected that, to my friend, Dan Doty. Yeah. Yeah. Who's he? <laughs> <laughs> That's the guy we were talking about earlier. The, oh yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. looked like a really, I should, I should get yeah. in touch with him. He, and so you you I'll teach do some people. stuff like that. But yeah, I did a class in Ontario this winter. You know, taught some folks just general survival skills and stuff. And like, what, do you, what it's like it takes. When you do that, what do you? How does that set up? Do you give a uh, you don't a spend a week out in the week? Yeah, the, the the classes we're gonna have in July. We'll just ride horses up into the wilderness in Idaho and spend a week up there. And a lot of it is teaching. You know, there's definitely hard skills. All the hard skills. There's also a lot of just mental what's the mental framework that you need to have to survive you know mm-hmm. and and to be resilient and stuff like that and that's a whole fascinating topic in and of itself you know like you get a you dig deep when you're out by yourself you it's amazing how deep your thoughts go you know like, now when you say mental skills like what what do you teach people in terms of mental skills like how can you I would well like them? if someone was going to be prepared wanted to prepare to go uh, there's a few things that would be really helpful. One, you need to practice gratitude, right? It's like mm. just being thankful for what you have, even in a rough situation, is uh, key, you know. And that, and that's that can come from having like perspective, you know, like reading. Like if you read the Gulag Archipelago, <laughs> you're saying it makes it hard to complain about your particular situation. <laughs> right. And so having like perspective like that, I think, is good. So I. Uh, for me, it was good knowing my, like, family history. You know, they're, like, Assyrians who got, you know, in the Assy- Armenian genocide kind of oh. got wiped out. And so they just have brutal stories of what happened to them. And it's like, oh, it puts all my suffering in perspective. And I see that the people who lived through that came out joyful people somehow. And, mm. you know, and so... Resilient people. Resilient people. Not, yeah, not only were, did they live, but they went on to have a family that was like my aunts and uncles who were like really happy, beautiful, you know, people. Mm-hmm. And so uh, how do they get that resilience is something that I've thought a lot about. And, and you know, gratitude is a big deal. think, you know, having experience that puts perspective on, on time, like knowing that your relationships are strong. So like having gone to Russia a bunch, you spend a year over there, you know, you the first time you're like, oh man, I miss everybody. But then you realize when you come back, they're right there. They still love you. you know? So having strong relationships is very important. You don't want to have a lot of skeletons in your closet. You know, like if you get out there and you're alone in some survival and situation. You have to think about all the yeah, shit. Yeah, it's amazing what yeah. you think of. People that I long forgot about, you know, like, uh, and like people like, oh, I should call that guy and make it right with that guy. But I think if. If you had a lot of like issues that you had never dealt through, you guarantee you they're going to come up out there, you know, yeah. <laughs> stuff that you forgot about. And uh, so that's all, like combing through and making sure you're just mentally everything's in order, you mm-hmm. know, like 
kind of knowing why you're doing what you're doing, you know, like, uh, yeah, yeah. So that's, yeah, there's a lot there that you can kind of unpack. So when you have this survival school that you're, you're teaching, do you have a specific curriculum? Do you write out? No, basically I've thought like, what is it that I've learned over the years that's allowed me to do, you know, to be successful or to do, to thrive in some of those situations and how can I impart that? You know, and that, that's mainly, I'm just trying to show people and what I've learned and what's practical in the woods. Cause it's easy to get a lot of skills that you're not really going to use or whatever. But I think if you know what, you know, I've experienced what people in the wilderness really do to live and mm-hmm. like, uh, having those skills, hopefully being able to impart the, you know, mental and also physical skills to, thrive i don't know i just think that's yeah and some of it's experience so somebody just going out in the woods a lot of people haven't spent a week in the woods just going out there and seeing what it's all like like what it's like to scout out a new place and be like okay where am i gonna build my shelter how am i gonna get food you know like (laughs) all that stuff when you have those people come out for a survival school what do they bring with them and what do you well it it depends like i mean i haven't done a lot of these this is uh my first ones in idaho are going to be in july the one i did in ontario we basically told them to bring act like they were on that show you know bring 10 items and we'll make the best of it you know and then and so that's and how many people are there at a framework uh up there i think it was uh six and in idaho is if it's still you know if covid's still a thing and there's a limit of 10 people, then I guess they'll bring eight and it'll be me and my brother who, and we'll teach them what we know. How do you vet those people? Like, how do you make sure they're not completely out of their fucking mind? When you're trapped good, in the wilderness with question. someone you yeah, don't want to yeah. go to sleep next to. Learn a whole new set of survival skills. Real yeah. Fast. I mean, you would imagine if someone was a real psycho, Dealing like, that'd with be a way. Social. Yeah. 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 That'd be a way they'd want to express themselves out there <laughs> totally, alone totally. in the forest totally. with a bunch of people trying to survive. <laughs> Hopefully we can wow. keep that in check. Yeah. Do you ask about their background? Do you do a background check on them or anything? Not really. No. Uh, she was <laughs> Just let it ride. <laughs> let it ride. She, was re- well, she wants to put themselves in wow. that situation. It's all right. Jesus. It'll be cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah I've done dealt with a lot of people so i think it's okay the, uh, yeah we uh, <laughs> we yeah. in general what are the type of people that want to learn this kind of stuff oh i think it can be broad it's like it's not too extreme it's not like i'm looking for people that like you don't have to be super hardcore it's just people that want to have a new experience broaden their horizon it's kind of mm-hmm. like choose your own adventure you don't have to go out there and starve for a week right. like uh yeah just come out I'll be there with you to teach you things and we'll, you know, make the best of the week and see what we can learn. And I don't know, whoever, it could be anybody. Do you have a a longing for personal adventure though? Do you, is a thing like outside of just teaching this? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like uh, one of the things I want to do now, I feel like I got a little more freedom because I got, is, uh, just spend more time in the mountains. Oh, you know, I love it. It, uh, speaks to me. So I'm going to, try to do that and i want to also stay connected with the Avenki over there you know when the borders open back up i want to go back with my family we've tried you know restoring some reindeer herds to people who have lost uh their reindeer and want to go over and kind of check on that project see how they're progressing see if they're 
if they are, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and like, uh, it's like that type of thing. If I see that people are making progress and like building their herd back or making some kind of progress, then I'll try to support them more and like, you know, feed into that. So there's things that I want to remain connected to. Uh, we'll see. I'm also really interested in like, I like all those like restoring type, like when the people I hear about restoring elk to the out east mm -hmm. or restoring buffalo herds, all that kind of stuff to me is pretty exciting. So, uh, we'll just see, I don't know, see where it just all goes. Saying, yeah, listen, take it a day at a time. <laughs> well, dude, I, I really appreciate you being here. You've, you've lived a really fascinating life. That's fine. I appreciate you having me on. It's man. cool to connect with you and be able to do this. Yeah, I, I really yeah. Enjoyed come it. on up to Idaho sometime when you're. Border out to Virginia. All right, man. I'm <laughs> not going hunting. to Siberia, so that's about as far as you get, man. Totally. Well, thanks, brother. I appreciate you, man. Yeah, thanks for being yeah. here. It's been good. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. That was great, Ooh. man. Yeah.